hey, hey, uh, uh down, down here. Hi. Uh, uh, as you can see, one of those masks tried to shove me off a building, but I, uh, I managed to grab onto this ledge before I fell too far. And, uh, the mask left, but I, I don't really have the, uh, I'm not really in a position to pull myself up. Can you, can you help me? Oh, oh, thank God. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, oh, but I have to, I have to do something first. Uh, well, I don't know what I can do from you hanging here. Um, so you want me to read what's on this cue card into this microphone? You know what? Sure. Whatever. Uh, just, just hold the cue card still so I can read this. Uh, warning. The Dub Talk podcast may contain language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Listeners should please be aware that there will be spoilers for High Rise Invasion, so they may want to watch the series first before listening to the episode. Finally, the opinions expressed belong to those of the individual participants and do not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. I'm not sure why you need me to read this here and there, but there, it's done. Would you mind... Helping me. Why do you have that hammer? Hello, one and all, and welcome to Dub Talk, the podcast where we get trapped in a death game for the umpteenth time, all the while discussing the latest and greatest in English dubs. I'm Stephanie, and today I'm joined by my allies, Amon and Andrew. The lighting in this death game is remarkably poor. Someone could hurt themselves in here. Well, they're gonna be blinded by them lights? No, it's it's no, it's it's very dim. I might trip over something. Oh. oh. What do you what do you think the light novel name for this show would be if it was given one? The light novel name for this show? I can't believe I picked up a Yandere lesbian girlfriend in this high-rise death game. <laughs> no, she's not even Yandere. It's actually she's actually more Sundere now that I think about it. I, I feel like that doesn't work only because she seems remarkably oblivious to the fact that someone has an active crush on her. She she wouldn't pose that question. Oh my god. Anyway, today I hope you boys aren't scared of heights. Because we're going to be tackling the 2021 Studio G ONA series based on the manga by Suina Miura. Wow, I can't pronounce words. I'm sorry. And published by Kodansha. High Rise Invasion. Studio G? Yeah, that's the studio that's behind this one. I think it's Zero G. No, it's Studio G. I fucking checked. Do you want to look right now? Yes, I got Do it. <laughs> While you're doing that, if you haven't it heard is, this... It is, it is Zero G. Oh, it is zero G. It is zero G. Yep. Did it, I? Oh. It's it's Studio Zero G. Wikipedia said Studio G. I'm not Wiki, fucking kidding. Wikipedia is frequently wrong. It is frequently wrong. Like I, I recently read a description for uh, Convenience Store Boyfriends off of it, and I remember reading it and thinking, "Wow, this is just a fucking lie." <laughs> is it a lie or is it what the people who made the anime want you to think? Yes. Yes. Well, like they were go. like, "Oh, this is a this is a much more romantic anime than it actually was." Almost nothing happened for most of the show. It fucking sucked. <laughs> maybe maybe that's just a sign of the very very low standards they're working against. Not hard to leap over the bar if it's underground. 
Okay. Anyways, if <laughs> if you haven't heard of the now that we got apparently my stupidity out of the way, if you haven't heard of this gritty death game before, here's a little summary. I got it off ANN and apparently they pulled it from the fucking manga. On the roof of a high-rise building, a young girl named Yuri witnesses a masked figure split a man's head open with an axe. It's not exactly an everyday occurrence for a high schooler, but things get only weirder from here. Yuri soon finds herself in a strange world of skyscrapers with only two options for escape. Fight past the mysterious masked figures, or leap to her death. So... The... F I like the phrase, but things only get weirder from here, because that is just a fucking true statement. Wasn't it a Japanese katana? Did they make a whole deal that, like, it was a Japanese katana? I don't remember. There's a lot of fucking weapons being used in this world, and masks are appropriately named for those fucking weapons, which is very hilarious. It's like, I don't even know! I've, I've watched plenty of Battle Royale death game anime series at this point. And by my god, <laughs> the fact that this one is so self-aware of what the fuck it is, it's amazing. <laughs> I, 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 haven't, I haven't seen a lot of the death battle ones, mostly because they seem to be pretty bad. Uh, and the only one, the only one that was ever recommended to me was in my friend Jeremy in college really enjoyed Future Diary, which I read a little bit of the manga of and never continued. Uh, and I know how other people feel about that, so I'm in no oh, rush to go Future check Diaries. that out again. No, Future Diary is not that great. That said, <laughs> your friend lied to you. <laughs> this is also the same friend who would, uh, whenever, whenever like anime that was in a. Whenever something that got it would basically get like an uncensored version on home video, he would enjoy right. watching the made-for-TV version because he always found their pitiful attempts at uh, obscuring the sex happening funny. So it's very possible he enjoyed uh, Future Diary for <laughs> partially sincere reasons and partially ironic reasons. Okay, that makes more sense. Like, okay, boy, if you boy, watch the, it boy, ironically, yes, boy, I can this, see that. Boy I, boy, I sure am enjoying this shot of the moon they're showing for the next three minutes because they can't show what's actually happening on broadcast television. That's amazing. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's a boy. Ah, come on, fucking head! Uh, Damn, you peaked hard on that one. <laughs> anyways, what I, what, I, what I have seen, however, is I have actually watched the movie Battle Royale. Mm. And, oh, have I. And, I have and, not seen it. And on, and on some level, you know what? The, you know what I feel like this. The, you know what I feel like the people who made this took away from that movie. What? They took away all the parts that cut back to Beat Takeshi, who's playing like the guy who's running this organization, and all the times that his daughter calls him because it's her birthday and he is doing this instead of being at home, and her accusing him of being a useless deadbeat. <laughs> Which, I mean, I mean, he was. You know, she was completely That's correct. Amazing. I just found it funny because I feel like, I feel like these people understand that the death game works best when you ha when it, you kind of know it's a little stupid. No, yeah. And that's, I think that's what's great about this show in particular. Because all the other death game genre things, they take their shit way too seriously. And because... The death, the different death games and the rules and all this fun stuff, it's absurd. It's so absurd, the, the shit that goes on. It's, uh, anyway. It, it fully understands that the death game works best as a skeleton to hang the actual meat of the show on, which is people dying and being killed in ludicrous ways. 
Yes. I, High I, Rise Invasion understands that. I think that I think the way is that it doesn't feel like the show doesn't feel like it's torture porn. It just feels like it's reveling in its violence, which I think yeah. is I think is the key to why I enjoyed the show that marketed itself <laughs> as a fucking edgy like battle so, shit. So as a side note for the folks at home, High Rise Invasion is a Netflix exclusive show. That came that they released back in February, the dub for. Um, I marathoned the fuck out of this. I think within the first few weeks that it came out, when I had heard about it, and um, don't play the trailer. I, it's it's muted. Okay. I'm I'm trying to find. He's trying a specific to find that one thing. specific line. But um, no, I was just like, because we got together as a group. I think it was months ago i think i had all i had just finished high rise invasion before we all chatted as a group and i'm like hey would anyone like to be stupid and join me in high rise invasion and Amon just instantly volunteered volunteered he's like yeah why not and, uh, and andrew's just like i'll do it for you I'm see, like, okay. see my experience was <laughs> by the way the dub didn't just come out like the whole show released same time around the world in february because it's one no, no, of those no, yeah. netflix exclusive I, things I'm, I'm, that's what i'm saying it came out and my experience with the show first was this very was the one time uh, Netflix streamed like a, a like a Japanese anime panel, mm -hmm. which I learned two things that day. One, Japanese conferences are fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, is the pacing of them? Like, I mean, everything can't be Nintendo uh, Direct. I I yeah, I know it couldn't be a Nintendo Direct, <laughs> but I figured. Wow, these are actually terrible, and their whole presentation is about one guy like presenting information and a cute girl being like, "Wow, that's really interesting." But Ooh, tell I'll, me more. I'll be, I'll be honest. Given given what I know from people who have seen like Japanese talk shows, that sounds about right. That must say and that sounds about right for Japan. And it's terrible. And one of the fucking funniest things of that presentation was the world premiere of High Rise Invasion trailer, which was hilarious aggressively edgy in your face edge and it ended with the tagline don't think just despair screw the rules break them instead and that was the moment i was off my fucking rocker my sides were in orbit i was like the, i can't the believe new, the new the newer trailer before it was released only used the second part of that tagline also, the <laughs> so the best did. part, the best part I didn't even mention is immediately after that, they had a trailer for Real Akuma and Karu, and they had somebody in the cute little Karu uh, bear thing come out and interact with the host. Immediately after the edgy, <laughs> hyper-violent high-rise invasion trailer. That's amazing. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Anyways, we've been rambling on for a hot minute. I just I just want to I just want to say I like yep. I like that tagline because having watched the show, what rules are there to break exactly? <laughs> what fucking rules? Apparently whatever like, fucking wants. If you're, if you're not a mask, your goal is don't die. <laughs> and your beyond, goal is and beyond that you can basically do what you want. So, yeah, like kind of crazy i feel i feel like maybe whoever made the trailer had was either had not seen the show or was not given a lot of actual information about it ahead of time probably not if, they if were for, only given like if bare for, minimum shit if for no other reason if you wanted to sell people on the show you should just show the clip that got posted in our friend megan's discord around the time that came out of one cop pushing the other one off the seal of the yes roof, and the other cop just yelling that it finally yelling about as he plummets to his death finally yelling ah oh, it's coming up so fast and then yeah yeah, Which, that's ep that's episode one, guys. Episode one, that that it was like <laughs> episode ah. one and probably the first like 
10, 15 minutes. Pretty much. Like, if that doesn't tell you what you could possibly in for, be in for for this show, I don't know what fucking will. Anyway, <laughs> as always, we're going to be covering the series from front to back, discussing characters, casting, and performances. And this is a very interesting situation. So, Netflix is usually really good about crediting their actors, right? Which is great. It's awesome. Pyra's Invasion is an interesting story. They credit the, they credited their main cast per episode, and then the extra people involved were set in like an additional voices section and no characters attached. So some of these characters at the time of this recording weren't confirmed until I had to dig that up myself. <laughs> like, because either the either the actors had confirmed that they were some of these additional cast members at this point, or and I have to give a huge thank you for this one. I reached out to Ruben Lack, who works with, who's a manager over at um, SDI Media. Mm -hmm. um, and he was actually the operational manager for this project in particular. And he confirmed a bunch of missing pieces for me. Because there's so many fun characters to talk about. Um, so very huge shout out and thank you to Ruben for helping, with, helping solve some fun little questions I might have. <laughs> on the casting of this um but anyway so all i can suggest now is that you don't look down because it's really friggin' high up here so <laughs> the breeze is great though the breeze is great uh why don't we get started with our adr director and our they're labeled as adapters so they would be considered they're the script writers they're the script writers in this situation so our adr director and script writers because there's one person who pulls double duty here um our adr director and one of our writers is megan buckles uh, she has written and directed for series such as Beastars, Dora Hidoro, and Violet Evergarden. And for our other scriptwriter, who effectively, based on credit-wise, would be considered our lead writer on this, is actually Bob Buckles as well, uh, who has written for other series such as Initial D, Rave Master, and for is an old, fun, another fun oldie but goodie, Bo 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 Bo. Man, oh, thank bo, you bo, for Bo 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 Bo. I'm not kidding. Bo 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 Bo. I'm not kidding. I looked it up yesterday. Thank you for reminding me I should pick up that uh, discotheque release. One yeah. <laughs> we, should, we should totally do a bo 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 episode and have it be the most yes! insufferable thing ever made by humans. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean... Don't tempt us, Amon. Don't tempt I mean... us. Don't tempt us. I want to be a part of it. <laughs> I mean, what's, not, what's, what's there to tempt? Let's fucking do it. Anyway, I kind of want to do this episode round robin style. So, what are our thoughts on the directing and writing of this show? Cause, oh boy, <laughs> I have what I would like to call a compliment. Well, it's not a new concept. I'm stealing this. That's been used a lot of time. For this show, the ADR directing and the script writing, I'm going to give it the compliment sandwich approach. Okay. So, first things first. I'm gonna start off with my first compliment sandwich i'm gonna start with that and that is of of a big fallacy a lot of like dub critics like to use is that people like to say that dubs always use the same 12 15 actors or something which is actually a bullshit fallacy and isn't true however i'm gonna say a lot of early some of the early dub fairs for sdi media specifically Netflix SDI media projects, mm -hmm. it kind of felt like for a while they had a lot of the same actors that would come up very regularly in every single one of their projects. Right. 
What I want to compliment Hi-Rise Invasion for, and what I want to compliment SDI Media for a lot of their dubs over the course of the past year or so, is that they have expanded their talent pool roster quite yes. considerably to the point that there's a lot of really interesting actors that showed up in this dub that I've not heard in any of their other projects, and I feel like their ability to expand that roster has really really done them favors, especially with this one in particular. Now, to be fair, High Rise Invasion does have a little bit of double-triple casting, but that's mostly with minor characters. I'm also willing to give leeway to this one because a lot of the minor characters are slashers who don't talk and exactly. or die. Exactly. <laughs> like, for hey, instance... Hey, hey, Zeno, we have a guy who needs to yell. Can you yell? <laughs> no, no, for instance, because we... I'm gonna spoil this now. We are gonna discuss him as one of these roles. Fucking Kellen Goff plays three different roles in this damn show, and they all die. And one I, of them stands out a lot more to me than the rest. Oh, that's the one we're going to talk about. But yeah, it's like, I don't mind the, the multiple casting for this one, because a lot of them are like one-off slashers who kind of mm -hmm. die. Right. For a show where you have ensembles that are interacting with each other on the regular, that becomes a much bigger problem. So yeah, that's my thought on the casting. Before okay. I go to my middle section what are your thoughts on that oh my god the casting's a lot of fun i think this might have been in terms of our lead yuri honjo this might have been the first known role after this actress went to la i think don't I, quote me on that i'm, I'm not probably you on that. i'm probably wrong but as far as i could notice there's probably something that precedes this um or she was in the process of working on, maybe. Um, but no, <laughs> the fucking casting. Because, yes, there's a lot of double-triple casting in the show, but some of them are, are used in very fun and unique ways that I don't mind it at all. <laughs> and then you have some occasional surprises, like you have a fucking Dallas regular in your cast. Which, it's gonna end up being the first time we talk about this person in an L.A. dub, as far as I know of, on an episode, I think. Don't quote me on that. Man, you are just setting yourself up to get well, actually. I probably like, am. You you are basically just putting, like, the, the bullseye on your chest listen, right now. Listen, this is probably, I think this is actually my first time talking about a fucking Netflix show, period. No. Is it? Is Violet it? Evergarden. Okay. I've lost all concept of time. It's it's been a while, dude. dude I was I was talking to Natasha earlier, and she asked when Resident Evil Village came out because, by <laughs> subjective time, that came out last year. It came out in May, but subjectively, it came out last subjectively, year. Subjectively, yes. That's so fucking. Funny. That's hilarious, and people are still memeing on Lady Dumbledore. It's great. <laughs> we we saw a good amount of cosplayers yeah, at Kinetic. A lot of Resident Evil ones. Obviously Lady Domatres was the popular one, but I think I saw a couple Ethan Winters and I know there was a Heisenberg in there. It was how, great. how does one cosplay Ethan Winters? He's just an increasingly mangled hand. You the, the you jacket. cosplay a increasingly mangled hand. The, the, I see. the jacket, the bandage, the jeans. It was a blonde guy and supposedly based on like some artwork and stuff like that, right. Ethan is blonde. Anyway. Alright. I'll, I'll go through my thoughts because I don't want to take this section up too much, but it's like, I, I that's my that's my first good. Okay, what's your next layer in your sandwich? My next layer is a criticism. Okay. 
I think the adaptive script for the first two episodes is actually pretty terrible. Hmm. Debatable. Uh, here's my argument to that, is that I feel like later on in the show, the show, fi they find a footing in that this is basically like a camp, a campy weird show, and both the script and a lot of the voice actor deliveries really do benefit from that. But I feel like in the first two episodes when they're explaining a lot of things, they don't, they're being too strict with the dialogue of these characters in this absurd premise. And I feel like some of the localizations are very awkward in the things they say. But, but babe, you need to spare the life of me and my dog. See that? Okay, that, <laughs> see that was funny. But no, I'm talking about like some of the awkward things about describing like proper nouns, or it's like they're saying that you are to they want you to commit suicide by jumping, which just that very phrase like commit suicide by jumping just sounded very awkward in the way it came out, and I feel like that was very present in the first two episodes. It improves as it goes along, but the first two episodes, the script was genuinely rough. Okay. I, I didn't find any issues with it, honestly. I thought it was great. Uh, how do I put this? That's a, uh -oh. Something I appreciate about the Buckholtz's dubs is I feel like they are good at recognizing... They're good at recognizing, all right, what is this show? What's it... Like, what is about it? Yes. And playing into that. Because I feel like, you know, they, 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 they... As, you know, one of the go-to people that Netflix commissions a lot of their dubs for, I feel like they have... Um, dub like a pretty wide variety of genre and i feel like they, they put in good work generally yeah oh and, I, I, i'm not yeah, arguing that yeah no 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 i know but oh, this is a lead up to i think they correctly recognized that this is a death game but i feel like spiritually this has a lot in common with like shitty european genre movies from the 70s okay like yeah. things made in italy that severin films and vinegar syndrome re-release on blu-ray and in that regard, being a little bad is kind of feels appropriate. No, yeah, like it, it's it 100% appropriate. <laughs> like it ends up being that weird way where, like the the you know, I, I think I saw someone commenting on um, sort of localization somewhere. Those commenting on uh, I forget what it is, but something it, like in the show, you know, the the special people are called like those who've been what touched by God or something like that. Chosen by God. Chosen by God. Oh, yeah. Or closer to God. Closer to yeah, God, closer to yes. God. And in the subtitles, they use, like, a much punchier line, which is probably, like, a slightly better localization in general. But I kind of like that because it has that vibe of, like, eh, hey, we're making a genre movie in Italy. We know English. Idioms aren't are the best we're at. <laughs> so what, everyone what? talks a little bit funny. <laughs> what was the term they used in Japanese, actually? Oh, I, I don't, don't I don't remember. It was more like like an actual like two word phrase. Like it, it wasn't the chosen, but it was something like much punchier. It was a lot like okay, okay. It was the kind of thing where like you know the the adjective precedes the noun instead of follows it, kind of a thing. It was more marketable. Yes. Okay. Or 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 it didn't. Or it, it was a lot shorter, and thus it didn't flip the, fit the lip flaps as well. It makes me mildly curious of how the manga adapted it. Like if they used the English version. Or, because the manga, it is it is available in English from Seven Seas. I was going to say that for later. But I think it started releasing in the States in 2019? No, that's... No, it was a few years earlier than that. Never mind. Fun, fun, fun fact, the last volume came out like three days ago. I know. 
I Diamond. saw that when I was doing my research, making sure like I have everything I need for later, and I'm like, oh shit! And then there is a sequel manga, but we'll talk about that later. Yep. <laughs> That's for High Rise here. No, no, High Rise Evasion Arrival. Where are they arriving? Who knows? I haven't read that far ahead. <laughs> High Rise It Invaded. <laughs> Hell. Anyways, don't you bring invaded into this hell cro cro crossovers I would watch regardless of quality. Anyways, oh that, that anyways. <laughs> so my last thing to my comp my confluence and which I've got my good, I got my bad, one more good. Okay. Oh, the fucking line deliveries on a lot of the actors in this is yeah! fucking great. See, I feel like the script in the first few episodes wasn't quite aware of what it wanted to be, mm -hmm. but I feel like and I feel like the actors definitely struggled with that in the first two episodes too. I feel like once episode three onwards got, once the script got more aware of what it wanted to be, the actors follow suit, and some of their deliveries are fucking goofy and fun and a lot of fun. I'd like to think the actors knew from fucking day one what they were getting themselves into. That's what, what I would like to think. Alright, you're playing a crazed maid. Why? I don't know. Because <laughs> She's never given any real uh, motivation, you just is. Yeah, unfortunately, we're not going to talk about our maid friend, who may or may not be Jeremy Lee. That's not. I thought she was going to be a bigger part in the show. I was like, okay. She's just here. Have some plot. This is not a dead teenager movie, but it has a lot of that. Yes, we'll absolutely introduce characters so they can die. I'll say this. Plot. Here's your plot on a platter. There were exposition. There's your exposition. There was shockingly less body drops than I was expecting for this. It's kind of funny. You, I mean, you drop a you drop a body off a building. It's kind of the same every time. Yeah. I guess so. You gotta gotta be like, okay. Like, so I mean, we, in the first I, I episode, mean, you have two people who get who end up getting thrown or fall off of no, not thrown off a building. They both fall off a building voluntarily, and this animation is essentially the same fucking thing for both of them. And, and plus, like, like the slow mo before they hit the fucking ground and like inner thoughts and then. And like, and like, are we are we ever going to top that cop freaking out for five seconds before he pancakes on the sidewalk? I don't think so. No, Fair enough. we're not. All that's right. our high point right there. People jumping off to their deaths. It's great. Uh, so yeah, that's more or less my thoughts on the dub. All right. Any other thoughts to add about the directing and writing on this show? I, just, I fucking love it. I, you know, I, I, I think it's a delightful. I think they really did a good job tapping into everyone's like inner B movie watcher in this. Like, oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like a grindhousey B movie kind of feel yeah this is this is very much whether or not you like high-rise invasion has a lot more to do with your own personal taste in media but i think this yeah. is very this is very much the dub this show deserves for all the good and bad that might entail oh well, yeah i'll say this i laughed at the show but then i realized this is not a show that wants me to laugh at it it wants I, me to laugh I, with it wants me to laugh with it yeah exactly I, I disagree in that i think it wants to do both it, it does both yeah but no it's Fucking, oh my god, it's great. Like, the writing on it is campy and punchy, and, and just, oh, so much ham. It's awesome. Uh, I mean, I can kind of understand why you think the first couple episodes writing-wise were rough, but I don't think so. <laughs> like, I mean, having watched it, and as someone who usually is into this kind of shit on a normal basis, and who has watched a fuck ton of Battle Royale death game anime nonsense this is a breath of fresh air to me <laughs> like this is amazing <laughs> i'm not even kidding um i'm trying to think any other thoughts i'm ready to talk about some psychos yeah let's talk about some lunatics 
All right, the first two sets of characters are probably gonna go relatively quickly if I if I had to uh, guess, because especially with our first group, there's not a lot to really talk about currently. We're with just them. gonna talk about how fucking weird they are. We're gonna talk about how fucking weird they are. So we have a bunch of our wonderful masked uh, villains. Well, I can't even say villains because there's one in particular Sla slashers. There's one in particular who's referred to as a guardian, and that's a different kind of masked person. Anyway, so we have. Uh, our voice of mask. <laughs> I originally wasn't gonna add her in here, but Andrew insisted. I, because I feel like she's a lot more prevalent throughout the show than most of these one-offs. Because she is the, she is the, like, disembodied voice that's on every single mask. Mm -hmm. We also have our guardian dealer mask. She is one of those guardians that I just mentioned. And uh, she kind of gives a little bit of advice and assistance to Yuri Honjo uh, when Mayu is kind of in hibernation mode. But we'll talk about that in a bit. And then the rest of our masks are a fun batch. So we have rider mask, chef mask, dagger mask, and student mask. To which dagger and student are actually work under... Um, I need to find your name. Um, Aikawa, who is, for all intents and purposes, currently our main antagonist of the show. So... He's he's taking the, the whole god part of Closer to God a little too seriously. He has a god complex. Anyway, playing these individuals, I'm going to start with our student mask. Uh, again, a good amount of these people were not originally attached to characters, and we got confirmation from Ruben over at SDI Media on these performances thanks so, ruben you're again, a bro thank you yes. so voicing voicing student mask we have kyle mccarley who has voiced other characters such as rio asuka in devil land crybaby narancia oh my god i can't even pronounce that last just name. just say narancia narancia from jojo's bizarre adventure golden wind and ichimatsu matsuno from mr otsumasu which is topical because when recording this episode that episode's out today so hell yeah um and yay for dating as Dagger Mask, this was confirmed by the actor themselves, we have Bryce Pappenbrook, who has voiced characters such as Aaron Yeager in Attack on Titan, Caesar Zappelli in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, Battle Tendency Arc, and Inosuke Hashibira, my son, in Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba. As Chef Mask, as we mentioned his name earlier, we have Kellen Goth, who has voiced characters such as Porco uh, Gallard in Attack on Titan Final Season, Diavolo and Emperor Crimson in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Golden Wind, and I know Amon will 100% appreciate this, the Senpai in the Night is Short Walk on Girl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, as Rider Mask, we have Alex Lee. He was confirmed previously, I believe. Um, he has voiced characters such as Kaiman in Dora Hidoro, Manjiro Mikey Sano in Tokyo Revengers, and my other Demon Slayer son, Zenitsu Agatsuma in Demon Slayer Kometsu no Yaiba. As Guardian Dealer Mask, we have confirmed, thanks to Ruben, uh, Lauren Landa, who, Landa, excuse me, who has voiced characters such as Annie Leonhardt in Attack on Titan, Juno in Beastars, and Merlin in The Seven Deadly Sins. And confirmed thanks to the credits of Netflix, the voice of the mask is Xanthi Huynh, who has voiced characters such as Sophia Taylor in Aparei Ranman, Platelet in Cells at Work, and Machia in Machia, um... When in the Promised Flower... Machia when the Promised Flower Blooms, I think. I, I'm accidentally almost mixing... I sometimes mix those subtitles up with Anohana. Yeah, because Anohana <laughs> is the flower we saw that day. That's it, Which yes. is very, very intentional, considering they're both Mario Kata, probably. Anyways, you, yeah. you take a good swig. That was a lot of talking. I'm good. All right. 
So, so boys, how we feel about these this group of characters? Okay. Again, it's gonna go relatively quick. Okay, please remind me who Rider Mask is. That's the one he's, I'm he's on. The, he's the one in the jumpsuit who, um, when the two girls encounter like the. Oh, is he the boxer? Cat. Yeah, he, he, like, the... he like just beats the shit out of yeah. a bunch of people. I love how he just yeah, yeah, comes yeah. out of nowhere and just fucking decks yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, cool. he's, he's the one where um, Mayu makes the decision to put on the mask. Right, 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 because he's he literally, he's not even an ally. It's like there's literally another plot line going wrong. He just kind of walks into the plot and is like, I'm going to kill these guys. Yeah, I, <laughs> that's basically what Ryder does. Like he wasn't even alluded to prior. He just walks in. He's like, oh, I'm going to punch you. I'm going to get you. I'm gonna get you! And he, he lays the smack down on some bitches. And it's great. It's and Alex amazing. Lee is great. Uh, oh, yeah, it's it's fun. A, uh, a stupid aspect of the show that I like is that while there are factions, there are also people who are just kind of running around, not aligned with anybody, and will just no, yeah. kind of just fuck things up because, I mean, they're stuck here having to murder people. They as well have some fun. Yeah, I was like, why not? <laughs> All right, uh... The Guardian Dealer Mask. Yeah, uh, Lauren. Lauren's good. She's cool. She's got. She's kind of like an, in, a bystander. I almost mm. said innocent bystander. Like, bitch, <laughs> not bitch has a gun. She ain't no innocent. No one's innocent um, in this show. So, Lauren's good. And she's just kind of off in the sidelines. And she's doing fine. Xanthe, I kind of like. But only because here's the thing with the voice of the mask. The voice of the mask takes on other voices as well, I believe. I'm pretty sure the voice of the mask also ends up being Mayu at one point, and then Yuri herself at one point. Yeah, yeah So it's... That's why I was debating on having her in here. The reality is the... The... The main central voice of the mask when it's not impersonating anybody else is Xanthi. Right. And I feel like that comes up enough in a lot of episodes that I feel like this, this is worth talking about. Right. And I love Xanthi's kind of like cutesy but stoic robotic tone of voice and i think it's like okay no wait cutesy is the other character she plays no the other character she plays is very cutesy and i uh, like that one better. no but <laughs> this anthe's a lot more like stoic robotic and like coldly uh deadly mm -hmm. just because it's like the very casualness of talking about like you must fill your command otherwise you will die yeah. and, and i enjoyed it so I wanted to get those out of the way quickly because I don't have as much to say about their characters or their voices. So much, though. All right, I'm on. I'm. You get first pick. Who do you want? Student, dagger, or chef? I I am. Watching that short long on girl has turned me into a big Kellen Goff fan, but I'm going. To yes. Oh, yes. I, but I'm going to pull off discussing on that because I want to discuss what a goddamn delight Bryce is as this mouthy, obnoxious guy yes! in a leather jacket, just endlessly shouting while his friend does all the actual fucking work. What did you describe him as last night? You you called him something Inosuke. He, he's, he's fucking, uh, he's like delinquent Inosuke. Yeah. It's the Inosuke voice. That's really what this is. It, it, it is the evolution. It's, it's the natural progression of people who say that Bryce as Inosuke sounds a lot like Kuwabara and Yu Yu Hakusho. This is the natural oh evolution. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> oh. I love this! Oh. Uh, it's accurate here. <laughs> this is basically a fucking Kuwabara knockoff. He, he, he is such a glorious one-scene wonder. He shows up, is deeply entertaining, and then gets shot for his troubles. He understood the assignment, yeah. and that and that's 
that's all you could really ask I, for. I'm imagining I, it's like, Bri uh, Bryce, we have a we have a weird shithead for you to play. Would you like to play it? What I? Okay. Absolutely, I can be there this so, afternoon. Uh, what kind of voice do you want? Inosuke. Alright! <laughs> I got you, fam. Speaking of people who understood the assignment, Kyle McCarley. Oh my god. Kyle McCarley as the student mask is great. Because when you first see him, he's kind of following Yuri's group, trying to get information to send back to Aikawa. But then, um, as he's kind of like stalking Yuri, and he's thinking I should go back and all this fun stuff but he decides instead I'm going to attack and kill her so I can get praised by Master Aikawa and then all of a sudden there's this thing in this show where those who are closer to God uh, can control masks so long as they're on the same wavelength and <laughs> student mask just suddenly is on the same wavelength as Aikawa and he gets his speaking function back essentially because most of the time the masks don't speak at all um and holy shit, his rant and praise of his god Aikawa is just the best fucking shit I could ever hear Kyle McCarley say. It's such an obsessed fanboy. Master Aikawa, Master Aikawa. And, oh and you could hear Kyle just hamming it up and it's just so, it's so fun. It's he, He's a lot of Again, fun. Again, he also understood the assignment. <laughs> Oh yeah. Okay. And, and I think it, the voice, the tone of voice used, is similar to his real voice in Devilman Crybaby. I think is the great, is the closest comparison I can make. But which is great. But they're like <laughs> they thought they thought Rio was a little too subtle in his homosexual advances towards his best friend. Oh my god! God damn it! Oh, I hate you. And now let's talk about the the best. <laughs> I love him. The this... best one. I fell in love, in love, with Kellen Goth as the <laughs> chef boss. <laughs> I, it was so fucking funny, it was so fucking goofy, it was wacky, wild, oh insane, god. deranged, and just, oh my god, it was perfect. It was, it was so the very literal personification of Chef's Kiss Perfection. <laughs> yes! Oh my Mwah! god. And because he mixed in like French phrases and stuff into the performance too. And it's great because nine times out of ten, the masks have the masks on and they don't need to follow lip flaps. Mm -mm. So <laughs> it's amazing because they can get away with a lot of fucking shit. I'm sorry. Kellen, steal Kellen stole the show that episode. I'm sorry. He did. Don't apologize for the truth. <laughs> you, I, 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 am, I am unsurprised that they got... This Kellen he voices a few other masks or something, right? Yep, he's confirmed to at least voice like three characters in the show. Yeah, I feel like, of course, because this is the exact kind of character type that he excels at. It's just Oh, like, no, 100%. No, bigger. Big, the bigger let, hammy let, ones. Free your inner ham, Kellen. Yep. And recording-wise, this could have possibly predated Akudama Drive a little bit as well. So he was in the middle of doing Akudama, too. So... <laughs> mm. Oh boy, Kellen can throw on a good slice of ham. He's really good at his villains, 
But oh boy, when you let Kellen go full ham, it's oh, it's a Ke masterclass. Kellen Goth has genuinely become one of my new favorite actors. Mm -hmm. Like especially like over in the LA scene, I think he is just oozing talent. Oh, he's immensely talented. Uh, it's unbelievable. Like I, I've only now just kind of getting a feel for what his actual vocal range is. It's, it's scary. scary. <laughs> but no, this one I was able to pick up. It was him. But oh my god, it's. It's so good. I love this fucking sh chef mask is so perfect. I love it. Oh, <laughs> chef mask represents everything I wanted from a show like this that I never thought I was going to get. It's perfect. He's he's also a very interesting character because he's the first. He's the one of the few characters that apparently have had a defective mask put on him. So he has retained a good portion of his humanity, and we actually find out that chef mask is actually obsessed with people and killing them potentially which makes it even better <laughs> it's so fucking good oh my god are there any other thoughts on this batch of characters the 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 one-off masks as a whole are just great oh they're like they're just great across the board they're a delight i love them they're so good i'm sorry kellen stole it for me though out of this group 100 <laughs> percent. close second might be kyle <laughs> maybe but bryce is also up there <laughs> but no oh, all right do we want to move on yes yes Okay, our next batch of characters. This should also probably go relatively quickly. Uh, this is Rika's group. Uh, Rika Honjo's group. Uh, Yuri's older brother. Um, who kind of... They're there throughout the course of the show um, as allies in the support group as well. They have a whole other anime spinoff thing that doesn't get shown. <laughs> Pretty much. So we have Riki uh, Yoshida. He is also one who is closer to God. He can currently control up to what they say, like five masks. I am the one who you trust me, Riki Yoshida. Oh, that's him, Riki Yoshida. It's like, why would you say your own name like that? They trust me, Riki Yoshida. It's great. I'm like, buddy, you do you not know who you are? <laughs> he, he's he's not. He's actually not sure. He has to self-affirm himself periodically. To be fair, he's not in the show enough to, to really know, so... Right, no. Rika's group actually kind of makes contact uh, with um, Riku, yeah. And they originally go to meet him before Rika's ass gets kidnapped, because of course he yes. fucking would. Uh, we also have Kohei Yamanami. He has terminal uh, mummy bandage disease. God damn it. Shinji Okihara, who we actually first are introduced um, when we really like start learning about Rika... Um, and he wears a nice little helmet head on his head. It's kind of fun. Is he the one that showed up with his buddy Damon Mills? Yes. That gets it, fucking it, off yes. by a cannonball to the head? If, Damon, if, fucking... if Damon's character lasted longer, we would be talking about Damon too, actually. I was like, oh, hi, Damon. <laughs> and then Bye, Damon. Damon. Mm -hmm. Right, uh, right. <laughs> yep. We have... Oh, good deaths. We also have uh, Megami Saito, uh, who... Is she the one with the tits? She's the one with the tits. Okay. That's the best I, I remember vaguely the character design, and my one thought was, damn, you have big boobs. Mm -hmm. And then we have the father-daughter duo of Azuma and Haruka. So, playing these characters, I'll start with our father-daughter duo. We have, as Azuma the dad, we have... Confirmed, thankfully, Keith Silverstein, who has voiced characters such as Goheen and Beastars, 
Onihei, Mishima, and Copelion, and <laughs> here's a triple whammy for you. Uh, again, topical. Dayon, Iyami, and Matsu Matsuzo Matsuno, and Mr. Osamatsu. As his daughter Haruka, we have Kira Buckland, who has voiced characters such as Rebecca Bluegard in Eden Zero, uh, Mary Sautame in Kakigurui, and Setsuna in Yashihime Half-Demon Half Princess. Half-Demon Princess. Uh, <coughs> Megami Saito is Jeremy Lee, who's voicing characters such as Kyoko, Kyoko Izumi in Bungo Stray Dogs, Noe in Dorohidoro, another fun one, and Tomei Kurata in Mob Psycho 100. As Shinji, we have Erica Harlicker, who has voiced characters such as Jackie in Brand New Animal, Kurapika in Hunter Hunter, and Elizabeth Leonis in Seven Deadly Sins. Here's a fun one. As Kohei Yamanami, we have Clifford Chapin, and probably the first time we've ever talked about Clifford Chapin in an L.A. dub. So far. So far. Uh, Clifford, Don't quote her on that. Shut up. Clifford has voiced characters such as Zondies in The Heroic Legend of Arslan, Teenage Sachio, I'm going to be specifically here, in Megalobox Nomad, and this is not his first Netflix dub. He's also previously voiced Kaoru Nagisa in the Neon Genesis Evangelion dub for Netflix. One of six. Yeah. The, and Ava, as... the Ava cast is cursed. It, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's unbelievable. That, the, the one guy who voiced Toji went and joined the circus and it was all downhill from there. <laughs> like, when you told me about the circus thing, I was like, are you fucking serious? Unless Ooh. Matt Greenberg is lying to us all. Oh you, my god. Uh, you mean Greenfield? Yes. <laughs> okay. Anyway, and as Riku Yoshida, we have Paul Castro Jr. So the only other uh, credited animation role Paul Castro Jr. has is Abel and Forsetti in Record of Ragnarok. However, he's been in quite a few films and TV series. Films including The Skeleton Twins and The Garden Left Behind. So, boys, what do we think of these... Uh, our, our little side squad here. Uh, before I start, I'm just gonna say, Amon, holy shit, you need to watch Megalobox 2 Nomad. Alright, one day. It's really good. I, I That is a priority, dude. I'm, bus <laughs> I'm busy. I know you're I busy, agree with but you, but good. I'm busy. Cl Cliff is older Lot, Sachio. Lots is of just things great. are good. I know, Cliff is older Sachio is just phenomenal as a side note. Like, okay. Anyway. Uh, so, uh,. Keith Silverstein is very good at what he does. He plays good old dear old dad, and then he's gone. Uh, Haruka, uh, his kid, is good. Okay. Um, I like Kira Buckland and things. They didn't do much. Uh, Jeremy Lee plays big boobs, and her boobs were quite big. She does some screaming. She does scream good. <laughs> she does some screaming. She does scream good, and her boobs yeah! are quite spectacular. Megumi's boobs. The, uh, the... We're gonna be we're gonna be straight here. All right, and yes, Cherby also played the one-off murder maid in episode one. Okay. I... Okay, it's not confirmed actually. Not confirmed, but I'm it. like ninety-five percent sure. We're gonna make some things clear. We might recognize some voices in the cast. We can't confirm or deny that it is them because we don't have the confirmation, and we don't want that to be taken seriously. Okay. It is my humblest opinion that I'm pretty sure that the murder maid in episode one was also Jeremy Lee. I'm pretty positive as well, but I digress. I'm, th I'm throwing it. I'm, I I'm making sure we don't get sued. I know. Anyway. Uh, I like I like Shinji. Shinji's a good kid, and Erica does a good job making him sound like a very good boy. And I, I like 
his duel with uh, Rika against the fucking the baseball, baseball mask, where oh, he's God. just chucking cannonballs like they're fucking baseballs. And then they have the brilliant idea of, oh, wait, he, he's, he's doing a baseball thing. So he has to abide by the rules of baseball. He has to abide by the rules of baseball. Yep. So I'm going to use my sledgehammer as a fucking baseball bat. Yep, and it worked, actually. And then he he missed, but then he shot him in the leg and then just charged him. And was like, oh, this is so fucking stupid. It is, but it's great. <laughs> who, but no. who says anime isn't serious literature? I... <laughs> uh, but no, Shinji's a good kid, and I like Erica. Uh, Cliff is fun. Uh, Cliff's, Cliff's fun as the good guy with the bandages. He's a good ally, and he's trying to survive this world and capitalization and quotation marks. Yeah, out of the entire group, I think Kohei has a little bit more. Shinji has a touch more, too. Um, but Kohei, after Rika's kidnapped, he ends up being the point of contact between him and Yuri's group. So, yeah. Uh, and uh, Paul Castro as Rikia is also pretty good. He sounds like a good boy that's doing his best. And also, he has a very cute mask that likes selfies and wants to be praised. And like, <laughs> damn, dude, you better give her what she wants. China Mask is confirmed to be Anne Yatko. Side note, she confirmed it herself. Cuckoo. So, uh... Anyways, th these are fun characters, and these are all voice actors I like. There's not a lot to say. Yeah, there's not a ton to say here. They're all fine. I love them so much. They're mm. great. Any other random thoughts to throw in here? Uh, these are good side characters. Uh, if I hope they show up a little bit more in possible season two, question mark, maybe? I can't believe I so. all of them survive. <laughs> For now. For now. Yeah. For now. Like, I, I, I realize this does not quite have the same stakes as, you know, when Game of Thrones says anyone can die, but let's be real here. Anyone None of these people die. are guaranteed to make it to the end of the show. Not let's even the actual child. Okay. Yeah, no. See, I'm amazed they had so much restraint as to let them survive this long. Oh, some of these guys are probably gonna fucking die. I bet... Oh my god, the first... <laughs> Who wants to place bets of who's gonna die first? My bet is the dad, because you know he's what, fucking stupid. You know what I appreciate? The fact that the show got its one thing of sexual violence out of the way, and then the rest of the show was this surprisingly... Surprisingly... Okay, I'm using clean in quotations. By clean, I mean not rapey, or as rapey Le less, as it could have less been. Less sexual assault. It, 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 it is always funny to me when you watch shows like this that are really extremely violent, but their fan service basically ceilings at, like, underwear, and there might be a shower scene or two for five seconds, and that's about it. I was right. like, like it is, it is weirdly chased for a show of this variety. Yeah, I after, appreciate after the first episode, that's as much of the fan service as you fucking get. There's so many anime out there that are hyper violent that like to throw in the rape card, and it just, it just brings the vibe down. You know which ones. I don't even need to say which ones. You know which ones. That's, that, yeah. that's the thing I appreciate about this show. It understands, like, no, we are a light, fun show about murder. With there are a couple are, of panty shots and yeah, boobs. There are lines yeah. that if we cross them, it is going to be a bummer, and that is not what we are about. I feel like the tactic for, like, the first episode of having uh, the, the scene about Yuri, like, like almost being sexually assaulted. Which was uncomfortable. But... Which is very uncomfortable, and fucking, I believe he was confirmed, I think... Oh, I'm... shit, I closed the wrong tab. I think, I think he was confirmed previously. Um... <laughs> Sean Shiplock. Yeah, I wanted. It was either him. 
I don't remember. It was, it's Sean. I think he was confirmed. I, think I need he... to pull up ANN just to be safe. But, um, I think he was He confirmed. was one of those two cops. Yeah. Uh, uh, but anyways uh yeah the, my point, point is being. it decided to have the shock factor i think in the first episode that a lot of anime of this kind of caliber will go for just to get people hooked in you know what i mean which that's is my a be- shitty that's tactic but that's i'm just glad guess. the show kind of drops that i mean it, <laughs> i'm glad it's <laughs> also one of my favorite random things is that like in the last episode it's like uh my like mask mirage version of herself there's a shot that has a panty shot of both her and her mirage self and for some reason they both have different colored panties on despite one literally being fake okay so here's what's weird so sean shiplock according to annan is confirmed to be rukia which is very weird um that's a weird one i don't know who's rukia rukia yoshida actually what? Yeah, I'm not kidding. Not Anime News Network. Anime Planet is what I wanted. But all the other mediums, including um, the Netflix credits themselves, have it as Paul Castro. Somebody fucked up while editing. You know what? That, that That's not the first that time, That wouldn't be the first time, because there was one that was credited, and then mm. I checked the credits, and it had a different actor listed in the credits. Yeah. That one's a, that one's also another weird. We'll one. bring it up because I saw that and I did a double take and Steph had to reassure me that. No, yeah, because I the actress is the one to confirm their role on that one, like so. I that's the one I'm going with. Um, Anyways, we should pro- yeah. I'm just. We checking. should probably move on. I know. We're- Any other thoughts on this group of secondary characters? They're not as funny as the masks because what is? Very not true. not their fault. Okay, so here we go. So Anime Planet has Sean Shiplock attached to the police officer that does assault yeah, Yuri right. in okay. episode one. Cool, cool, cool. Um, and then Anime Planet for Rika, Rikuya Yoshida has Paul Castro Jr. It must have... Ch- yeah, okay. I don't... It's, I don't know what happened on ANN. Or somebody for like one episode they listed They could have potentially Sean. put the wrong... Well, they probably could have listed the wrong character. No, I'm blaming it. I'm not blaming ANN. I'm blaming Netflix on this one. Sean was listed under additional voices. I, I will point out, ANN's cast lists are all fan-generated. I think someone just messed up while they were putting it in there. That's that's what I'm saying. Is okay. someone Whoever put inputted it on ANN might have just accidentally mixed up the characters. That's what I think. Um, but, anyway. Um, Sean Shiplet's listed under Netflix credits as additional voices, so you can't really attach them. Um, but anyway, any other thoughts? Or are we good to move on to... Oh, no. <laughs> Speaking of our motorboating friend, are we good to move on? Oh man, our um wonderful motorboating uh villain. Correction: She is not the motorboat. Er, she is the motorboat. E, she is the boat for people to motor off of. I'm talking about Aikawa. I'm not talking about Kusakabe. Oh, oh I, I, I said motorboater. Wrong character, bro. Oh. Wrong one. <laughs> anyway, so our main, uh, for all intents and purposes, our main villain of the show. Uh, we have Mamoru Aikawa, who is one closer to God and can control apparently up to 30 masks, or angels as they're referred to, um, at once. And just... 
motherfucker is an edgelord hagon god complex motherfucker who likes big boobs. <laughs> so, yeah, straight up, I feel like the moment where I clicked to me that this show knows exactly what it was is. Was the moment where he motorboated his face. Because the entire sequence before, he spent like three whole minutes going off about like some tangent about his god complex and like the plot. And I didn't fucking care, but he was basically, you could tell he was wiping himself off with how cool and how godly he was. And then it's just like, hey, uh, stay still for a second. I was about to say, please don't use me as an example. Okay, no, I'm just... I swear to God. And then he <laughs> he grabs like... my arm, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? No, he just literally just, like, shoves his face in her tits. And no, he like, just shoves ah, it in, and he's like, ah. Now I'm relaxed. I feel much calm now. Oh, anyway, boy. and we have, while we did discuss Dagger and Student Mask in a couple, in the previous section, a couple uh, like a while ago, uh, we're going to talk about the more of um, Aikawa's squad. Um, but they have more roles, more of a role to them. So we have Yayoi Kusakabe, who basically is an, is essentially the head bitch in charge uh, of the masks under Aikawa. And she's very dutiful and very, very good. Um, she's also the fucking reason why Sniper Mask exists, exists basically. Because mm -hmm. she's the one who forced a mask on him in the first place. Mm -hmm. And gave him a rifle and he's like, have at it! <laughs> So, we, we, we don't like her. <laughs> uh, we also have Kijima, who essentially is a, a butler. <laughs> he's, he's like Kawa's butler. Uh, for all intents and purposes. Uh, I'm gonna skip these two for a hot second. We also have White Feather, who is also a sniper mask, in a sense. What uh, boobs. But boobs, and uh, a Robin Hood-looking outfit. <laughs> If that makes sense. Uh, and then we have Swimmer, who is a big, meef, beefy, muscly guy. Also with boobs. <laughs> um, yeah, basically. Okay, and then we have Great Angel. Great Angel! What the fuck? What the fuck is this guy? A big, muscly, crazy bastard who believes in justice. And, um, he's too fucking strong, so fucking both Aikawa and eventually Yuri have to seal his fucking power away, and he becomes a little thing, and he's referred to as Daichan because of that. So. He's a little weenie. He's a little weenie. <laughs> but Great Angel fucking will destroy your, will wreck your shit. Alright, playing Swimmer. We have Billy Kometz, who has voiced characters such as Risu in Dorohidaro, Osamatsu Matsuno in Mr. Osamatsu, and as Modius Alice in Welcome to Demon School Iramakun. White Feather is voiced by Reba Burr, who has voiced characters such as Nikaido in Dorohidaro, Ryoko Naoe in Sirius Yeager, and Catalina Baudelaire in Violet Evergarden. I'm going to skip Great Angel for a minute. Kijima is voiced by Keith Silverstein, who has voiced again, uh, who has voiced characters such as Ogai Mori in Bungo Stray Dogs, Takonori Suwara in Skippy, and of course, everyone's favorite psychopath, Johan Liebern in Monster. Mm. Yayoi Kusakabe is voiced by Christina V. Valenzuela, who has voiced characters such as Lucy Maud Montgomery in Bungo Stray Dogs, Sakura Mato in Fate Stay Night, Unlimited Blayworks and the Heavens Veal movies, and Vivi in Vivi Florette's Eye Song. 
And as Aikawa, we have Johnny Young Bosch, who has voiced characters such as Gyo Tamioka in Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba, Makoto Tachibana in the Free franchise, and a classic one as well, Vash the Sandbeat in Trigun. Great Angel is an interesting one. There are two different voices, one for Great Angel, one for Daichan. I'm not kidding. One of them was actually previously confirmed by the actor themselves. The other one I actually had to get confirmation on. So the person who came out for themselves and confirmed that they were this character, Daichan is voiced by Bryce Pappenbrook again who has also voiced characters such as Staz, Charlie Bled, and Blood Lad, Makoto Nayagi, and Nagito Komaida in the Daigon Rampa franchise, and Alan Stewart in uh, My Next Life as a Villainous All Rouse Lead to Do. Great Angel is the one I had to confirm. It's fucking Ben Diskin <laughs> as Great Angel. He has voiced characters such as Wolf in Blood Lad, Joseph Joestar in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, uh... Battle tendency. tendency. I, I was blanking for a hot minute. And Bond from the Seven Deadly Sins. What do we think? So straight up, mm -hmm. I'm wondering if that was a choice from like the Japanese executives or something that he had to be two different people because Ben Diskin is absolutely capable of playing wimpy, 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 hefty, and then hefty. going to hefty, hefty, hefty. Right. I'm gonna look that up real quick just to, for funsies. Given, you guys need talking give, about given, given not having any particular insight into the casting process for projects like these, I could even buy it potentially as it just being like, they liked Bryce's wimpy voice more and liked Ben's like hefty, I'm gonna, voice. hefty voice more. And it's yeah. like, well, we could just have both <laughs> play the character. Which, uh, all right, you know what? Let, let's just start with, uh, let's just start with, uh, uh, great angel just what the fuck <laughs> yeah yeah what the actual fuck it's fucking fantastic it's it is some of the most aggressively extra chad bullshit i've ever heard out of ben diskin and i also love what he's kind of like baffled by the old guy coming in to fight again he's like yes! um wait because great angel's big thing is fucking justice. everyone is evil i must fight in the name of justice which yeah. is a shockingly common trope in all these violent things right but this is just like oh you're just you're just fucking weird. Okay, minor side note. It looks like there's only one actor, one seiyuu who voiced Great Angel. Though in the case of the Japanese, he's referred to as Archangel, actually. Man, that, oh makes, it ex that makes it extra weird that it, they got two people, because, like, Ben could totally pull it off. Ben could have pulled it off, 100%. Um, anyways, uh, but... So, That's like, fine. I think Bryce does a great job as playing the little, uh, wimpy... Wee wimpy wimpy. <laughs> like... It, it doesn't help that, like, his fucking skin-tight bodysuit kind of looks like a trash bag already. <laughs> one, one, one day, Ivan asked, what if we put Tingle in a death battle? What would that look like? Yep. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, Bryce is good, but no, Ben Diskin is hilarious, and, like, one of my favorite deliveries is when, uh... When the old guy comes in trying to be cool, honorable, macho, and you just hear Ben just baffled being like, wait, wait, who are you? Oh, you're like me, except you're, you're lame. No, oh. seriously. Who no, are no, you? no. Like, he drops the whole, I can, I can beat everything for justice. And like, wait, wait, who, 
Who are you? What? What? I don't understand. What's your deal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good. And I was like, okay, that's, that's fucking fun. It was great. I oh, Ben's it. so good. Uh, fucking Ben and Bryce. Like, the difference, like, the difference is enough to make each one stand out. But at the same time, it's it still retains to an extent that this is still the same person. Uh, so I think that worked really rather well. Oh, God, he was fun. What did you think of the, the chat angel? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I fucking hate you, you bastard. No, you don't get any kisses, you asshole. No! Stop it! Well, while they're doing that, <laughs> <laughs> this show knows what it is, and the people who made this dumb knew exactly what it is. Oh, yeah. No, they knew. They're not stupid. <laughs> they're, they're not fucking stupid. Uh, Billy Kometz's swimmer just... Mostly is maniacal laughing. Like, not even maniacal laughing. I'd like to call it a stupid dunce laugh. Because it's like, <laughs> one, one of my favorite moments in the show is, I think in, like, the second to last episode or last episode, where I think, um... I think it's Yayoi. They're, like, looking out a window at night, and they happen yes. to notice that Swimmer is just out there casually murdering someone, and she has this look of, like, what the fuck are you doing? Get back in here. We have work to do. And he just, like, finishes killing the person and goes, like, uh. Like, he's the dumb, like. He's the dumb, like. It's, 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 it's Bebop and Rocksteady voice. Yeah. Oh, God. He's the dumb lackey from an 80s cartoon who goes, eh, boss, and, is this a good idea? Yes. And then he's just kind of like, uh. And also, he, he swims in the concrete, but yeah. he doesn't, like. He doesn't actually swim through it. He's not like that. He doesn't have like a stand power where he can actually swim through like the yeah, ground, like at the end of Golden Wind. No, he just dives and then just pops back up. It's great. Like it's fucking great. But I'm sorry, that stupid dunce level. <laughs> like that was great. Uh, I'm sorry. That was the ex that was basically the extent of Billy's performance. Of Swimmer's stupid but fun. Um, white. Uh, White Feather, I'll give uh, Rayba, Rayba credit because I feel like I've mistaken her voice for a lot of people in the past, and this time I legitimately thought she was also Jeremy Lee. No, I thought so too. And then I looked at the cast, and under again the additional voices, and I saw Reba's name there, and I'm like, I hadn't seen her name there before until now. So Ruben confirmed for me that it is Reba. She's gender bent uh, sniper mask. Pretty much. And she's cool, I guess, but. Who, and she might have a minor thing for Sniper Mask now. Because <laughs> she's so would, fucking this, cool. This would make her the third woman in the show that has a crush on Sniper Mask, I believe. I'd say at least second. Because <laughs> Yuri doesn't really have a crush on Sniper Mask. She just thinks he's hot. Which, yeah. <laughs> Kuon, on the other hand. Oh, she's super into him, yeah. Kuon's just you could just okay. obsessed. You could argue Rika. You can argue Rika. Yeah, maybe. But I'd say they're more like bros. We, they're more like bros. We need, we need to see them interact first. Right. We only got the one flashback scene, but I digress. Anyway, <laughs> I do like Reba. He cried for him. That means they're game for shipping. <laughs> Fuck. Them's the breaks. God damn it. No, I, I do like Reba as White Feather. She has like a, a kind of... It's a mix of commanding, but also like subordinate as well if that makes sense uh yeah like she she knows how to like 
take over a scene, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like, she can be a commanding presence as White Feather. And then the episode with her and her showdown with Sniper Mask was actually really fucking cool. Yeah, their their, their sniper battle felt like a legitimately good fight. And I, it, I, think, I think the pair of them working off each other was helped that a lot. Oh, sure. yeah, for sure. Uh, Keith as Kijima was fine. He was good butler, man. Kijima really only has the one scene where he actually talks. And we didn't even get to talk about volleyball volleyball mask and, like, servant mask. Where I just, I just love the fact that, like, they one don't of really his... have anything to one say. One of his closest lackeys, he's talking about his god complex and how he deserves to rule and shape this world to his image. And he's like, volleyball mask, take this prisoner elsewhere. It's like, shut <laughs> Yeah, okay, they know. Speaking of Aikawa, though... Uh, Johnny Young Bosch is Johnny Young Bosch, and that man <laughs> is no stranger to playing God Complex. He's Lelouch Lamperouge, after all. There were times where I was sitting there and I'm watching Johnny, and I'm like, Lelouch, is that you? In, in like, is this is this like discount Lelouch? Which is fine. <laughs> and I he's not even the one wearing that. the mask in this show. I know. <laughs> It's like discount Lelouch, and then it's like it's f- it's fine. It works really nicely because fucking Aikawa can be slimy and skeevy as fuck. Like he's mentally, he's not there. I have a <laughs> I have a student council. Oh, I have a, I have a a class. I have a uh, student. F- oh, God, what am I fucking? Student council president. No, 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 no. Uh, what the class fuck? Class representative. No fair. What? What's the fair thing they do? School, school festival. I, oh, thank you. I have a school festival and a coup d'etat to work to do. It's like, ah, oh, oh, God, I've got school festival. That's that's that's, no. that's the level of brain farting I'm working with today, people. No, Johnny's a delight, though. <laughs> you lost your garbage when he had to I, vote, though. I was in fucking orbit. You... I could not believe the show, <laughs> Honest to God. Gone. Honest to God was just having him be the edgy, cool guy. Yep. And then it was like, I need a second. I need a second. Just no, no, no. shoves his like, face in there. He plays it straight, which is the greatest part That's the part best of part. It. He doesn't even go, like, full pervert. He's just like, I need a second. I think that's the whole thing with Aikawa. Johnny actually plays Aikawa very straight. And because of that, it really works for this show. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate what this show and... Johnny's performance in that. Uh, obviously, it's nowhere near as savage, but I feel like it, it has that same opinion that, like, Flowers of Evil have, is that you, you get these really pretentious chuny guys, and they're all giant dorks at the end of it, and yeah. that's why they act like that. Oh, yeah. And I 100%. feel like the show understands that, and Johnny understands, like, yeah, this guy's a loser. Man, I wasn't expecting a fucking Flowers of Evil reference in fucking High Rise Invasion. You're welcome. Where, where, where there are obnoxious chuny guys, Flowers of Evil is a good point of reference because it's all about how they suck. And this is also a little about how they suck, but, you know, a lot dumber. I mean, it does make sense when you think about, like, the main character is, like, a, a whole ball of sunshine, never give up. But, all, but oh I'd also argue... Oh my god, Yuri's a... I'd also argue her morals are a lot more suspect, but that's that's for later. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's for when we talk about Yuri. Anyways, my actual standout outside of Ben Diskin just hamming it up is, is, Christina. is Christina as Yayoi, where she is just a full, fun, like, oh, like, sexy bitch. Yeah, she's like a sultry, scheming <gasps> bitch. It's great. I love it. And she's also a canonical MILF. Ah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I can't Surprise. just. I'm not just saying. 
I ain't saying that just because I'm horny. I'm saying that because the has... show has confirmed that something popped out of there. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about that in the next section anyway. But okay, anyway. Richard. But uh, no, I love Christina as uh, Kusakabe. She's just like, it, it's it's such, it's a no-nonsense, head-bitch-in-charge kind of feeling, if that makes sense. But she's also a fucking... Uh, what, what is it? Uh, she's also a fucking masochist a little bit, too. Girl, she, she's got big uh, girl boss gatekeep uh, energy going to... Gaslight. Gaslight. Like, yes! She's got big girl boss gatekeep gaslight energy to her. No, yeah. Like, it's it's crazy. And, oh, I, love, I fucking love Christina. No, she was a ton of she's fun. She's fun. Any, uh, any other thoughts about this group? Any collective thoughts? Doesn't matter what. The, the whole the whole the whole people who are closer to God thing is all very silly, but I appreciate it that it allows for such strong personality people to be the antagonists in this production. Oh yeah, Plus they they could have had really boring generic one note villains, and this show would have been a slog. But it's like no no not silly enough no no make her more no she should dress like no she should dress like someone who's uh not a dominatrix, but someone who's clearly dressing up to go beat up a man because the man paid her to do that. Yes, I absolutely. don't know if she's supposed to be dressed like a cop, maybe? I th that's the vibe I, I get. I think that's the vibe and implication I'm she, getting from she her. She gives me very prison school vibes. Yeah, it feels very much like a, a, a sexed up version of a more professional uniform, regardless of what exactly it's supposed to be. No, yeah, I can feel that. That, that makes sense. But, um... I'm sorry, I can't get over Johnny. Like, that's legitimately. <laughs> the fact that Johnny's in the show is great. Like, <laughs> I'm not surprised that Johnny's in the show, nor am I surprised he's playing this character. It's I so just, great, though. I just adore. Like, that was the moment I think it clicked for me. I went from being like, okay, I'm having more fun than I thought to, okay, no, I'm actually having fun. No, was yeah. the moment that the stupid fucking edge lord god complex motherfucker just dunks his head in those tits and is like, ah, that's better. These, and he's just with a straight so these, these make me so calm. <laughs> it's fucking great. No, I, I like He also these. maybe, instead of a god complex, he also might have a mommy kink too. Oh, 100%. He must. He must have a mom complex. And then he would make like a three to five minute chuny monologue about like how how, like, the love of breasts is, like, returning to God or something. Or, like, the Garden of Eden. Oh, my God! These bountiful breasts bring us back to a simpler time when society was not corrupt by the filth of oh human sin. God. I, closer to God, will return us to the love that is the bountiful bosom of society. I fucking hate you right now. <laughs> That's that is not even that wrong to something this show would pull. No, no. Amon, I have made some poor decisions in my life. I think dating this one next to me is one of them. <laughs> I, I also now live with him, so that makes it even worse. Stop giving me kisses. No, you're stuck with me. No. I've made some poor decisions in my life, Amon. This is one of them. <laughs> um, in that case, do we want to move on to the next section and get yeah. away from this? Yeah, uh, unless there's any more last minute thoughts, which it doesn't seem like there are. I, I, th I think I've said what I need to say. Okay. So next up, we have our next group of characters. They are allies of Yori. 
uh, of Yuri Honjo and her squad. So we have Kazuma Alhara, who is apparently a doctor of some sort. Uh, he is also one closer to God, but then at the end of the show, he also bites it. <laughs> so shockingly, one of the few actual named bites the dust characters. I was like, you know what? Okay, sure. Yeah, uh, we have his one of his angels that he controls, Ein, who is this little little girl, Lolita looking girl. He also had Zwei, and then Yuri Zwei, fucking then, shot her. Yeah, Zwei lasted only like two seconds. Hi, Zwei. Bye, Zwei. Is that the one who does the big dramatic leap in the air and then is yes. shot and, the, and then just gets shot in the air to the ground? That's, that's, exactly, it. Who that's it exactly who it is. That's exactly. Oh, that was a good bit. I like that. Uh, we also have Mr. Tanabe. Uh, <laughs> so we talked about him a little bit when we were talking about um, Great Angel. So Tanabe is an older man, um, and we're introduced to both him as well as Alhada, um, probably almost around the midway point because. Uh, Tanabe runs into Yuri and Mayu and tries to get their help because Alhada basically killed his whole squad. Um, and then weird insanity ensues. Uh, and Tanabe also has a sense of justice, which is why fucking Great Angel is like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's why he's very confused. And Tanabe is the reason why Great Angel is now still alive and Yuri is in control of him. It's very weird. And then we have, we mentioned earlier how much Kusakabe was a goddamn MILF. And we're not even, not in, not in the even joking sense. We have Uzuki Kusakabe, uh, a young boy who just randomly just joins the squad, kind of. And we find out Uzuki is Yayoi's son. <laughs> in the middle of that last battle, in the last couple of episodes, he's on the roof with Sniper Mask, and he sees his mom, he's like, that's my mom! And Sniper's just like, shit, <laughs> I can't kill her now. <laughs> womp womp. Womp womp. Uh, so, playing these characters, as Uzuki Kusakabe, we have Anne Yotko, who has voiced characters such as Lillian in Violet Evergarden, Lola in The Hidden Dungeon Only I Can Enter, and of course, everyone's favorite, Nobura Kugisaki in Jujutsu Kaisen. As Tanabe, we have Michael Sorek, who has voiced characters such as Ubertino in Arte, Jogo in Jujutsu Kaisen, and Melvin, here's a fun one, Gigi, I love you, Melvin the Magnificent in Unico in the Island of Magic. Uh, as Ein, we have, again, Xanthi Huin, who has been in, whose voice characters such as Menma in Anohana, The Flower We Saw That Day, Haru Okamura in Persona 5 franchise, and Sachi in Sword Art Online. And as Alhara, we have Todd Haberkorn, who has voiced characters such as Fiera Prochenezu in Bakano, Assassin in Fate Stay Night, uh, Unlimited Blade Works, and actually in Heaven's Feel as well. Uh, and <laughs> the one character I will hate forever. Nobuyuki Sugo, a.k.a. Oberon, in uh, Sword Online. Because fuck that guy. What do we think of these, this, this batch? I'm thinking my opinion of Sword Art has softened over the years, but I feel like my opinion of Alfheim has only gotten worse with time. Yeah, we went over that when we covered Sword Art. As for these characters, most, most of them are fine. Uh, Uzuki's a cute little kid, and Anne does a good job making him sound like a cute kid. Side note, the Uzuki thing is very weird. Oh god, yeah, this was what I was talking about earlier, where I we, we like finished episode 11 or something, I, I let the credits play out, and then I saw Uzuki was credited as Colleen Oshagase. 
O'Shazany. O'Shazany? Is that O'Shazany. how you say O'Shazany? Yeah, it's, I think it's Irish or Scottish. Maybe. But yeah, I was like, what? Where did that come yeah, from? Yeah, so I personally, I probably should have checked with Ruben to be safe. However, um, Anne herself confirmed on Twitter that she was Uzuki. So that's why I went with Anne on this one. Because mm. she herself confirmed that she was both Uzuki as well as China Mask, who is one of um, Riku Yoshida's uh, masks that he controls. Anyways, if this turns out that we are wrong, please fucking tell us and then please yell at Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> or, or if we're right, if we're right, then please yell at Netflix. But if we're wrong, then that's our bad. It that you ha it is morally justified to always yell at Netflix. <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, uh, more thoughts. Keep them coming, boys. Uh, Uzuki's a good kid, and he's a good little bean. He comes out of nowhere. He, oh, he does. I, and I, right now, his whole purpose is to just point out, hey, that's my mom. His whole purpose right now is to keep fucking Yayoi alive. <laughs> that's really his only purpose right now. Because Sniper Mask would have fucking killed that bitch in a heartbeat. He wants to keep... The, the series wants to keep the hot, sexy uh, MILF alive. I guess. Who am I to argue with them? I guess. Um, anyways, yeah, Anne's good. Uh, I love Tanabe. Tanabe is, like, it's like they're trying to do a whole dramatic, like, uh, you killed my found family, I will never forgive you, and then just try, he's, like, literally, he tries Yamcho-ing himself into the plot, where it's like, you, you're, you don't even come close to the power levels we are hitting right now. Yeah. You are just here because you want to be involved and because of your honor. Yeah. And then immediately gets, like, shanked to the point of near death. Yep. Like, he interferes with the whole uh, fight against uh, Kazuma, which the show's a lot more shonen than you'd think, because there's a lot of bad guys that are suddenly forced to be buddies. Yeah. And Kazuma's the guy that killed, like, his whole family. And then he's like, okay, you two girls come with me. We're going to do a negotiation. And then the deal immediately falls apart. He's like, I got these girls who will fucking kick this your ass. This one is closer to God. She will kick your ass. And, and they're just like, what the fuck are you doing, yeah. old man? Tanabe just inserts himself into shit. And almost dies. I'm so glad he's still alive, but he's just like, he's got this whole Japanese, like, code of honor thing going on. Yeah. And he literally just has no fucking chance against all the power levels that are getting escalated at this point. We'll, we'll be very honest. Amshot Tanabe made it to the end of the series. Amshot Kazuma didn't die earlier. You Yay! know what? They, they, they yes both had, to both. They both had dead meat written all over them. Legitimately surprised they've lasted as long as they no, have. No, yeah. In another show, Kazuma would have been a rapist that would have gotten off, like, the episode and a half after he showed up. Oh, yeah. boy. Wow, okay. I, I nailed We're going it, didn't to the I? I, I'm not, come on. Look at this man. Look at his perspectival bullshit. Look at his fucking Lolita servant <sighs> with a sword. This man's a fucking lollicon. And he would totally do shit. I'm not saying you're wrong. But anyways, you're not. he He's, got to he be look, a- He looks like the scientist in Excel Saga. Ugh. So you're correct, anyways, continue. So you're correct, anyways. Anyways, he got to be a cool guy, and then he got to die, so... Okay. He got to be cool from it. Can I just say, Xanthia's Ayn is very cute. She doesn't say a lot, and is very quiet when she does. But some of the, the noises that she makes, like, when she's pulling out the sword, she's like... 
I, I love how she does the cool little, like, sword action noises. So I love it. See, this is the character that Xanthi played that I really, really love. And I'm like, okay, we can just, we can't just not talk about her. <laughs> Sorry. My terrible impersonation of Ayn right now. <laughs> but, um... Any other random thoughts we got about this crew? There's not a ton of ton because they're kind of here and there throughout the show. But... Yeah, they're 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 like well, they're like um, what's their name? They're like Rika's crew we talked about earlier, where they are notable, but that doesn't they don't necessarily have a lot of screen time. Right, they're a bit uh, more notable than Rika's squad. Yeah, that's but a, just like, but barely. Every everyone everyone's very everyone goes in a nice good performance, and I agree that like Xanthi's just a lot of fun as Ayn. Like I think. <laughs> she, 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 I, I is a very purposely silly character, and I think they play that very well. Oh yeah, she's <laughs> all of the masks kind of like ham it up to a, to an extent. It's great. Uh, anything else, or are we ready to move on? Because the next few sections are going to be our meat and potatoes. Yes, I, I'm good. So we have five remaining characters. They're going to be split into three different groups because I want to save Yuri for last. Um, so let's talk about the boys. Let's talk about the boys of this show, the main ones. We have Rika Honjo, who is Yuri Honjo's older brother, um, who is also dragged into this crazy world and ends up separated from her very early on. He, he knows the name of the game before she does. Oh, he knows the name of the fucking game. Um, and then we have the one that everyone seems to, like, have the hots for at this stage. In another, if this were written by a less competent writer, I feel like Sniper Mask would have been your dipshit otaku harem protagonist. Yeah, probably. So yeah, Sniper Mask uh, is a masked individual. Uh, he and in the beginning of the show, he's norm. He's quote unquote normal by mask standards. Um, but he ends up getting a crack in his mask, um, or very early on. Because Yuri fucking throws a grenade at him. <laughs> Basically. And, um, the mask ends up being, becoming more defective. So he's actually getting more of his humanity and his personality back throughout the course of the show. Um, the other big thing to know, and the reason why these two, I really needed them together, they actually know each other somehow. Sniper Mask and Rika know each other somehow. It is implied that they have known each other since they were kids. But we don't know the extent of the relationship, and because Snapper Mask does not even remember who he actually is, we don't know either. Um, the best thing that we can go off of is during his hibernation, um, and both Kuon and Mayuko go into his consciousness to try and uh, deactivate some of the programming for the masks, we might have his name, but it's not 100% confirmed. The name Makoto Yu comes up, um, so that could be his real name. We just don't know. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, we're going to call him Sniper Mask because that's who he fucking is. So who, who in terms of playing these two characters, is Rika Honjo. I'm actually excited about these two. I haven't been able to fucking talk about these two gentlemen yet. I'm excited. I haven't talked about these guys on an episode yet. So, Rika Honjo, Zeno Robinson, he has voiced characters such as Prince Kelby in Cannon Busters, Ogun Montgomery in Fire Force, and of course, Hawks in My Hero Academia. 
And as for Cyber Mask, we have Jonah Scott, who has voiced characters such as Joe in Skate the Infinity, Courier in Akudama Drive, and of course, everybody's favorite fucking furry, Legoshi in Beastars. So, how are we gonna talk about these two boys? I, so, you want to talk about knowing the assignment? <laughs> okay. Uh, Jonah Scott and Zeno Robinson are two actors that have been really making waves for themselves in the past year and a half, two years. Yeah. And especially Jonah. It, it's honestly, especially Zeno, too. Like, well, Zeno's been around for a while, a while, but he's more di dove into um, anime more recently, I think, right? My understanding. I could be wrong again, because I'm stupid. Anyways, um, so... Yes. They did understand the assignment. They did, and it's genuinely great. Uh, Zeno is really fun, because it feels like this dude should have been a lot edgier than yes. he actually is. Yes. Like, I feel like, like, he has so much of the, I can't, sir, I, I'm the only one who can rely on me. There's nobody else that can rely on me. And he's with the squad. <laughs> and, or, or he's like, I, I was friends once. And then they all died, so now I'm a loner. It's like, no, it's just, he knows. Oh, yeah, I, I just gotta get a squad. I gotta be cool. Yep. Here's my fucking sledgehammer. Die, bitch. Yeah, it's, pretty uh, much. It, it's, it's how people think Batman is written versus how Batman is actually written. Yes! yes! I am a true loner with my five adopted children and my <laughs> 18 friends. <laughs> God, that's a fucking funny way to describe it, but you're so on the money with Rico on this one. No, Zeno. He's, Zeno's great. He's really good. Like he's, I he's, love it. he's actually like it's it's a very interesting performance. Like I'd say it's very, it's I'd say it's pretty close to like his. I'd say it's uh, it's Hawks, but uh, but like pitched up a little bit, Just a played touch, a yeah. little younger because Hawks is basically like a mid twenties like millennial type. Rika's a high schooler. Rika, Rika's a guy who would totally be hanging out at the arcades, and then, yeah. I also think, because, um, out of the five main characters, Rika actually has the most emotional beats he has to go through as well. Like, and a lot of internal, like, monologuing as well. So, like, the whole, like, grim doom and gloom kind of thing, and then the more aggressive parts too, especially when you fucking is like, fucking try it, Aiko. I fucking dare you. I think my, f like, my favorite when it's like... So he has it, the most emotional My favorite is, like, when you can tell Aikawa tr clearly found out that, like, Yuri's his sister. Right. And he's trying to basically bait him. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, I love the progression, the escalation of, I don't know what you're talking about. That sounds weird. I don't have a sister at all. Okay, okay, I don't know if, what you're talking it's about. Like, it's okay, all... I'm gonna go kill her then. How's that sound? He's like, I, I, I don't know her. What are you talking about? I don't have a sister. Nobody matters to me. That's fine. If you fucking touch her, I will end you. Yeah, pretty much. No, yeah. Like, Zeno And, like, has... the scream of that is like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. Zeno has, I think, the most emotional beats that he has to go through in the show compared to everybody else. Um, and I think it works very, very well. Honestly. <laughs> like, I love it. What do you, what do you think of Riga? Riga's great. Uh... Has Zeno played a lot of like shonen protagonist types? Because I feel like the more boring, yes. the more boring. I think boring... he's been doing it more. Yeah, because like the more the more boring version of this show makes Rika the main character. 
Yeah. And I appreciate that it doesn't. But I think Zeno taps into that very much like, yeah, this is just like a uh, relatively... He, mm-hmm. He's the lead of it of an isekai called I'm Standing on a Million Lives. That's <laughs> right. He is the lead in that, isn't yeah. he? That's right. Yeah, that's that. He's also the lead in the hidden dungeon only I can enter. That's the one I was thinking of which just now. Which is... That show is very horny. He's also in Kuriko. Okay, but uh, Kuriko's fucking awesome. Kuriko is awesome. But it's technically considered a shonen, I think, right? It, it's very shonen. So, yes. He has. Um, no, it's very interesting. But no, um, but I, I, I think he, ta- he, he, he gets that, like, all right... This is sort of the, the shonen protagonisty guy, not 100%, but, like, that's kind of where the baseline of the character is, and I think he yes. taps into that really well. Oh, like, he, great. Like, he, he feels very much, like, good dude, maybe a little bit over his head, given everything that's going on, but, like, I mean, what are our options exactly? Exactly. Let's, I feel let's like do the... our best, guys. <laughs> I feel like the more I talk about High Rise Invasion, the more I see exactly where the you could have easily just changed a few things and got in a much more terrible show. Right, the, the, exactly. The, sh- the, sh- the show, there are a astounding number of pitfalls. This this show just pirouettes right by. It's no, which I cannot, so like, well. that's the thing that shocks me the more I discuss High Rise Invasion. It's like, wow, this could have been so easy to be terrible. Yep. And it's surprisingly competent. Yep. <laughs> and you know what? I want to talk about a character I was not expecting to be as great as they were. Okay, let's face it. We're all here to talk about Jonas Scott as Sniper Mask, aren't we? Sniper Mask is great. I love him. (laughs) From the start of the show, he was already very cool and very fun. Mm -hmm. And then once he starts getting more of his humanity back, he becomes much more of an interesting, unique, and complicated character. And I realized as I was watching this show, I was trying to figure out what it was specifically about Sniper Mask that was so endearing to me. So, I'm going to reference a show that we have not yet discussed, but believe me, it's only a matter of when, not if. In the show Akudama Drive, Jonas Scott plays Courier. And Courier is basically an action movie cool guy superstar who has a foul mouth, but also is a cool guy who doesn't look at explosions. Speaking of shows that Amon should watch that he mm-hmm. probably needs to ta- find time for at some point, yes, Akiyama is one. I know, I know. I know. I'm just throwing that out there, but I know you know. But people, <laughs> but people are more familiar with uh, Jonas Scott's work as uh, his breakout role as Legacy in Beastars, where Legacy is a very mm. strong powerful, lanky, but very socially awkward and reserved boy that's trying to fight his own urges. Yep. So, here is what Jonas got as Sniper Mask actually is. Mm-hmm. Sniper Mask is not Courier, but he is in fact Legacy trying to play Courier. Which yeah. means... That he Sniper Mask is not actually the cool guy action movie superstar. He's really the fucking awkward asshole who's trying to be the cool guy superstar, succeeding and not knowing where the fuck to go from here. Yeah, they make a point in the show where um, apparently Sniper Mask and Rika have been playing, have this bet or have been playing this game about who who will live the cooler way of life 
It becomes a thing that Sniper Mask remembers in his fight with White Feather. <laughs> you can you can tell that Sniper Mask is trying to play a cool guy instead of actually be a cool guy because he's got a fucking fedora on. <sighs> I still love him. <laughs> oh, I do too. But I that's still the, love him. <laughs> but the, every time, the more I watch the show, I'm like, oh, you're just the fucking awkward loser who thinks he's cool, but actually is somehow. It's like he, he inadvertently succeeds at it. He's not naturally cool. He, just he stumbles is. his way into being cool mm -hmm. and being hot and getting all the bitches <laughs> and literally just being like, how the fuck did I get here? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Uh, Jesus Christ. Amon, please tell me you have thoughts on, on Jonah. Jonah's great. He's... He's playing... Like, he, he's playing a character who is playing a character... Yes. But I think the thing that works is he does come off as sincerely cool a lot of the time. Like, I would definitely want Sniper Mask in my corner. He, if not, doesn't know what's going on, at least seems to have some semblance of an idea of what we should be doing in all, amongst all this nonsense. He is the one who is level, the most level-headed in Yuri's group, while weirdly enough. While simultaneously having the biggest handicap in that he's fucking afraid of heights. Yeah! Poor bastard. Like, we don't even find out that he's afraid of heights until his fight with White Feather, which is the funniest shit. And, they, and he's like, oh shit, what do I do? What do I do? And then he's like, wait, I gotta be cool. And then he it's just like, points what, to his head. Yeah, what would Rika say? Don't knock me off. Just Aim for the forehead. And then by the time he's done and he gets off of the, the broken suspension bridge, he's on the building. He's like, oh, that was good, but that was also kind of scary. He, he's the type that will unironically say, like, Shadow the Hedgehog meme lines, be like, heh, nothing personal, kid. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. God. God. Oh, my God. Now I'm just imagining a fucking Sniper Mask AMV with the fucking Shadow the Hedgehog theme song. I hate you so much right now. Unleash a million faces, and one by one they fall. Blackhearted Andrew, evil. I swear to God, if this episode gets hit for copyright, I'm gonna fucking kill you. I am all Andrew, I, I am swear all to God. <laughs> what has what has happened? What? He's he's trying to sing copyright shit. He's grabbed my hand and he's holding it. I'm like, you bitch, you need to fucking stop. Oh, We're gonna boy. get hit, hit hit for copyright. You keep this shit up. Anyways, can somebody please uh, get me sniper air mask hanging out with Shadow the Hedgehog and the big like cool. <sighs> Cool fucking doors. Oh, boy. oh no. Anyways, uh, Jonah Scott's great. I love Jonah. Inadvertently, he's probably my favorite performance in the show. I'm not gonna. I won't front. He's probably my favorite in the show. Honestly, it's tied with either Jonah and Zeno, so that that checks out for me. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> Anybody else have thoughts on these two? Is there any other thoughts on the boys, or are we ready to move on to the ladies? They're good boys. Let's talk about some very good girls. Okay. We have three characters left, but we're going to talk about two of them first. So we have Mayuko Nisei and Kuon Shinzaki. So Mayuko, we are introduced to rather early on. Um, Yuri runs into her uh, in a building. Uh, Mayu just wants to try and get the fuck out of Dodge. Uh, and then Mayu ends up having feelings for Yuri, basically. Like, she pushed her out of the real. way once, and then she was in lesbians with her. Yes. 
Basically. Uh, but another key point in Mayuko's character is... We mentioned it earlier when we were talking about Alex Lee's rider mask, actually. Uh, Mayuko ends up putting on the defective mask that she got from Kellen Goff, a.k.a. Chef Mask. Um, and she ends up becoming an angel herself. Nobody cared who I was until I put on the mask. <laughs> Bro, shut the fuck up. <laughs> As for Kuon... Um, we are introduced to Kuon relatively early as well, however, she is mostly tied to Cybermask. Kuon is our first introduction to the ones who are closer to God. Um, it's a very early introduction to that aspect of the show. And Kuon, she's not much of a fighter. She's very, very timid and shot, scared about shit. However, you fuck her shit up, she will shoot you with her goddamn railgun. Because there is a, in the center of this whole place, there's a huge fucking tower, and apparently it's a railgun, and Kuon's the only one who is closer to God that can fucking use it. And now everybody fucking wants it, i.e. Aikawa. She has the ability to rail, but all she wants is to be railed by Sniper Mask. <sighs> okay, buddy. I swear to God. I was gonna bring up that fact, but yeah, it's very clear that Kuon has a thing for Sniper Mask. It is also possibly implied by the end of the show that her and Sniper Mask are now on the same wavelength, so now she has control of Sniper Mask. It is very possible, or at but least it's the not... ability to control. Yes, it is possible, but it's not not confirmed one hundred percent. But based on that last scene where they're like on the rooftop, <laughs> I was just jo chilling, and like they suddenly have like the same thoughts and feelings about each other. And then, and, all right, you need to explain this. Okay, me. so there's, like, literally there's a point where it's, like, she's staring at him, and she, like, feels, like, she feels his emotions about how she doesn't want her to get hurt, and he wants to protect her and all that. And I'm joking, I'm like, oh my god, is she gonna, like, imagine herself, like, getting married to him? And, then and then like, like literal seconds later, I hear the church bells, and they're fucking in a white dress, and I'm like, yeah, I love I love several times in the yeah. show, I'm joking about, oh yep. man, wouldn't it be funny if they did this thing? And they do the thing. Like, my favorite one was when I see, like, fucking Yuri's being stupid and shooting the fucking helicopter. I'm like, bitch, why are you doing that? Yep. And, like, you know what's gonna happen? Someone's gonna, like, pull out a gun and shoot you yeah. from the helicopter. And sure enough, that's what happens! Yeah. Again, this show knows what it fucking is. It knows what it fucking is. Anyway... Uh, our lovely ladies voicing these two characters. As Kuon Shinzaki, we have Stephanie Shea, who has voiced characters such as Mikuru Asahina in The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, Suzy Q in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and Nagi Aiza in Your Line April. As for Mayuko Nisei, is a name that we don't really have come up very often. Uh, Jeannie Kwan. She has voiced characters such as Sakuya in Areka 7, Nori Sakurada in Rosen Maiden, and I know Amon's probably gonna appreciate this she is Saku she also voiced satoko hojo in the original dub for higarashi no naku Koroni. was that the bang zoom or the genion genion one. That's the genion one, one from back the real the old one the real old one got it okay so all right boys how do we feel about these ladies andrew you like a disaster lesbian you said so yes <laughs> i do 
and throwing your disaster lesbian into your fucking death battle anime. And not only do you not fridge her or make her an obsessive yandere, you make her an actually fun, compelling character yes. where I'm actually rooting for her to win her reflections of Yuri. Yes. And I'm like, oh my god, she- Oh my god, the fucking disaster lesbian's in love with Yuri. Fuck! does know what it is are you fucking kidding me i, I we keep telling you it knows exactly what oh the fuck my it's doing. god remember by the end of the show they're holding hands i i can't fucking believe i went all this time and i didn't piece together that the fucking disaster lesbian is in love with yuri ah while he's dying inside, uh, I, I'd say, okay, so, Jeannie or Jenny, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't figure out names well. So, <laughs> Mayu is very interesting. I don't know if it's a personal preference thing for me or what happened. There were moments where Mayu's performance kind of fell flat, line reads kind of fell flat, weirdly enough for me. Um, but for the for the most part, I loved it. Every time she went like, oh, blushy, blushy, ooh, 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 Yuri's my, Yuri's my girlfriend. Like, that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. And then her alter ego, because Jeannie uh, also, also has to play... Um, the mask programming that's inside of Mayu as well. I thought that went really well. Um, there were just a few line reads here and there for Mayuko that kind of fell flat to me. I don't know if the same was could be said from the two of you. But that's just, I think that's just my personal preference, I think. But I don't know. What do you guys think? She's got a couple of awkward line deliveries. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to deny that. But I think she definitely gets the heart of what no, this character is No, she knows 100%. Again, the whole cast fucking understood the assignment. <laughs> Like, I'm not discrediting her on that one. They understood the assignment. Anyways, to answer your question uh, yes. before I had my freak-out revelation, yes. yes, Amon, I do appreciate a disaster lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, more thoughts. Bring them out in the open. Let's go. Kenny's just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't know if I put, like, Mayuko down as, like, great re representations of queer people in anime list or anything like that. But, no, like, I doubt just, that. No, but she's, like, given the show she's in, she is treated astonishingly well. No, yeah. Like, like and I think Jenny just has a lot of fun with her. She's very funny. Um, and I know, I know, quote-unquote, she's good at the quote-unquote serious parts of Mayuko's character, which, you know, I mean, if you watch the show, you'll get a sense of what the serious... The air quote, yeah. Serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think she at least, she delivers that with a good amount of, like, pathos and energy, which I think is kind of what you need for something like this. It's not necessarily about being, like, really dramatically valid. It's almost just more like, I believe the character believes this. And if I can believe that, like, good. Right. That's all I need. No, for sure. Um, she's a hoot, and... Are we slowly uh, shifting into our other disaster? Oh, our disaster so, hetero. So we have we have the disaster lesbian and the disaster heterosexual. Yeah. Yeah. Ku Kuan could have been really fucking annoying. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. So goddamn annoying, and 
And, you know, at a certain level, no shock, Stephanie Shea avoided that because she's Stephanie oh, yeah. Shea. And she, like, she knows how to play these characters and make them, you know, entertaining, interesting. At the very, yeah, at the very, like, very, like, her, like, her basement is palatable. Like, she can at least do that. And there's enough to Kua that I think she was able to, like, get in there and, like, make a, a like, turn in a really fun performance for this character. No, Stephanie definitely has some fun moments as Kuan, not just when she's disaster heterosexual for Sniper Mask, but, like, she has her badass moments. Like, the fact that it's, like, when she when it's revealed that she's the one who's firing the fucking railgun, mm -hmm. that was fun. <laughs> How did she survive before that, or before Cypher Mask? Well, okay, so I believe it was stated early on when we're introduced to Kuan that when she woke up, she found one of the faceless masks, right? Okay. Or the mouthless mask, excuse me. Um, and she put it on, and she, early on, unlocked the ability for other, as the one closer to God, unlocked the ability to, for, for masks, to other, for other masks to not attack her. Okay, that would do it. Because, remember, Sniper Mask was going to kill her, but the mask told him, don't do that, she is one closer to God. So she just can't be attacked at all. So, and I think it, I, I could be wrong in how that happened in the first place, but um, in how she she originally was given a mouthless mask from the get go, I think the same could be kind of said for Rukia Yoshida. He found one right off the bat as well, but he doesn't have that ability because depending on the person who was closer to God, they can unlock certain abilities at different times depending on their aptitude and their compatibility. So nobody's gonna unlock the same abilities at the same fucking time. Oh God, I just realized what song would be perfect for uh, Kuan and Sniper Mask. Oh no. Shot through the heart and you're too Stop, they're gonna get copyrighted <laughs> you again. Love Stop, Stop, you fucking ass. If it is any condolence, I don't think the copyright bots are smart enough to recognize off to an acapella rendition. I ain't gonna fuck. I risk will that. object to Bon Jovi though. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> why are you gonna be like that, Bon? Bon Jovi are not terrible. I simply do not care for them, and they are very popular. So they, they I just hear it a lot, even uh, though it's oh like God. I'm not in the mood for Bon Jovi right uh, now. Wait. Cease. I'm on. Did I just hear a music hipster take from you? It's Alma, what do you fucking expect? I, I, uh, Andrew, let us know. I am a music hipster, I just simp I simply take very little joy in being an asshole to people. It's like, exactly! <laughs> you no, listen, I we've have, known Amon for like, I have, you, I've, I've known Amon for like a decade, you've you, known him for you less. Contain your, you contain your vile so well that I don't even know it's there sometimes, yeah. so when it comes out, I'm genuinely shocked. Well, it's like, I, I do not care for Bon Jovi. What do I achieve by telling people who are enjoying Bon Jovi-ness? Let them enjoy their band. They are not hurting anyone. <laughs> as long as you're not an asshole. That's all that matters. I, there's no reason to be a dick to people because they enjoy something. I see no point in that. That's right, just being exactly. cruel. Anyways. But anyway, back to the conversation. In terms of unlocking powers, for fucking people closer to God. Because, like, you have Kuon who unlocked the ability to use the fucking railgun. You have Aohara who could control masks, but also at the last fucking minute could tell like tell them to like not move for a hot second, and it actually kind of comes in handy for a small second. You have Aikawa, who can control up to 30 masks, and that's the extent of what we know of with him. 
Um, you have Rukia Yoshida, who can also control mass up to five of them. Um, and then you have Yuri. Who just becomes Ultra Instinct. Yeah. She gets Ultra Instinct. It's that's At the start, and then towards the last episode, um, she, out of nowhere, unlocks the ability to control masks, and she takes control of Great Angel. Um, but yeah, again, the, ma the abilities of the ones closer to God kind of, like, unlock at their own pace, depending on who's compatible with what. Boy, this death battle anime is a lot more shonen than I expected. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to High Rise Invasion. <laughs> uh, let's see. Any other fun thoughts about Jenny and Stephanie? Uh, Stephanie's very good. She's very she's very familiar with a character like uh, Kuan, so it's it's definitely something she's familiar with. No, yeah, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with Amon that the Kuan could have been handled so poorly, so easily, and it, it's Stephanie Shea. She handles these types of characters masterfully at this point. Also, I know we've talked about the fact that the, a show that could have been as aggressively horny and, like, schlocky as it did is surprisingly tactful, where it's like, Kuan's a particularly busty girl, and I don't even think they even t put her in a scene of a state of undress. No, I was yeah. impressed. No, yeah. We do get a very firm shot of Yuri's firm ass at one point. And for the majority of the season of the show, Mayuko... Just has ripped shirts, so bras always showing. So, so I'm like, okay, I'm shocked. Kuan is surprisingly Christian. Well, tact. again, again, part of that goes back to the fact that she can't be attacked by other masks anyway. So, uh, yeah, but it's like I don't know. I figured the show would have been way hornier with her. I'm like, I'm not saying the show's not horny. It's still pretty horny, but, like, my standards are so low for Death Battle Game that I assumed that there was going to be way more sexual assault and, like, flapping titties than there actually was. So, I consider Surprise. me impressed. Yeah. Surprise. We, we, we are benefiting from the fact that this comic, I think, is made by people who are kind of horny, but they're more horny for, like, strong women in weird outfits. Yeah, and so these characters are not going to be the focus of that. It's a lot more Oni Chanbara than it hence, is like some other stuff. Hence, probably Yayoi, because there are a lot of butt shots for Yayoi as well. She does have them curves. Like, you, there's a the quite there's a fair conversation. Is the show actually better than it you think it is at this stuff, or is the bar just that low? There's a conversation for no, that's true. Yeah. It's true. The bar may be that low, but I'm giving praise where it is. Anyways, uh, Stephanie's good as Kuan, and Jenny Kwan is a ton of fun playing the disaster tsundere lesbian, and okay. I enjoy them both. Any any other thoughts, feelings about these two? Delightful. Delightful. Put that on the back of the box. <laughs> Delightful. <laughs> Delightful. I'm on Duel Dub Talk Podcast. <laughs> We're back to the Please. box jokes with you. <laughs> I, lo I love I love coming up with weird shitty advertising. It's one of my favorite things to do. I mean, it's great marketing, you know, put, right? Put it put it put it on a poster where someone's being murdered in a horribly violent way. It'd be great. I mean, how we, quaint! I mean, <laughs> I mean, we've been quoted for a fucking show that uh, Coach of Sound did, I think. Right? Once. Yeah, we're quoted right. on Coach of Sound's website for I know Kusabi. That's I forgot it. about that. Yeah. We are quoted on that. Fun fact. Also, thanks, Kocha. We love you. Uh, anything else before we move on to uh, our wonderful friend Yuri Hanjo? I'm good. Okay. Yuri Hanjo 
is our lead character for High Rise Invasion. She's a high school student in a sailor uniform, because apparently that's pointed out several times in the show. Um, and she's, <laughs> she's the most wonky thing in the world. She's so flip-floppy, it's not even funny. Um, but her goal is to basically escape this world and destroy this world without trying to cause a, a fuck ton of harm to which she kind of can do a little bit. Uh, she ends up becoming one who's closer to God uh, in an attempt to save Mayu when she suddenly goes into hibernation. That's actually the introduction where we learn about hibernation, how that process works. Um, but Yuri's after she becomes one close to God, is fucking Super Saiyan Beast Ultra Instinct kind of horseshit. So that's a thing. And, um... She has a brother complex. We're gonna say that right the fuck now. <laughs> she has a brother complex. Because if y'all touch Rika, you're fucking dead. <laughs> uh, but anyway, who is voicing Yuri Hanjo. That would be Susie Young. She has voiced characters such as Mayumi Dojima in Pretty Boy Detective Club, Kumiko Yamamura in Josie the Tiger and the Fish. She is the Josie in this show, in the film. A lot of fun, by the way. And we have a triple threat. She's Kaban, Lucky Beast, and Mirai in Kimono Friends. That was, be that was her first anime role, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Yuri Hanjo. I can't tell what her morals are. <laughs> it's hard to tell! Again, Yuri's so flip-floppy as a character. It's... <laughs> I don't... Gives you I don't want to kill anyone. I don't want to kill any of the masks, even though they're people. And then, like, three, four episodes later, she's basically just going commando. Like, straight up, just fucking gunning these fuckers down. Yeah... I, I, yeah. And it's like, I, I don't want to corrupt myself, or fuck this world, or I will kill this world, or... I, I don't understand what her goal is. Her goal is just to be a much more... She doesn't give into despair, she's basically just an action movie hero with a shonen protagonist, like, shell. Yeah, kind of, actually. Because she's got, because she's got that level of like Makoto Nayegi, don't give up hope, don't mm -hmm. give into despair vibes. Right. But she's also just a fucking action movie like Ultra Instinct superstar. And I, I also love how she's a terrible actress. Not Susie, <laughs> not, not Susie, Susie, but Yuri. Yuri, where is. she's legitimately a terrible actress, and she's trying to like basically fake out people a couple of times where she's trying to be this bad evil actress it, where it's most, like, mostly Alhada she's trying to be intimidating as all fucking hell especially I mean that's Tanabe's fault so <laughs> that's Tanabe's fault that she got kind of stuck with that um but no anyway Susie oh she's delightful I, I love her deliveries as uh Yuri, especially in, like, the later episodes where she gets a lot more goofy and, like, violent, I'll fucking kill you, uh, vibes. Once again, she understood the assignment. God, you know what this show... Here's an actual criticism for the dub. You know what this show needed? What? F-bombs. It's very clean, isn't it, now that I think about it? It is! There's not a lot of swearing. Yeah, there's not a lot of swearing. That's that's actually kind of... And for a Netflix show of all things, too, actually. Like... Huh, you're right. Like... 
for okay, I'm gonna say if, but it's when. Mm-hmm. When season two drops, right? You have the express written permission and consent of the Dub Talk podcast. Do you really think they're gonna listen to us on this one? You never know. <laughs> Anyways, you're allowed to. We say, drop a couple of f bombs, swears. You you know what high rise invasions about at this point. We all know what it's about at this point. Have fun. The argument could also be made though is the reason why they went the more clean route than the cursing is because that is a pitfall that other shows similar in this genre does do kind of fall into. Like, that's an argument you could possibly make, and that might be why they avoided that in the first place. I'd argue when it's as goofy as this, swearing would just make it very fun. Right, but then you also have the same ones, same shows in this genre that are stupid edgy as fuck and play it straight that do do that, and it just makes it even worse. You know what I mean? I, I have a compromise. Okay. Swearing, but it's all bleeped, because that feels like very in tone with this show. <laughs> oh. You know? God, okay, there's a crazy okay, idea. Okay, I like that idea. Done. It's not ha- It's not gonna happen, but I like the way you think, sir. <laughs> More thoughts. More thoughts on Susie. I loved her. Oh, she's a ton of fun. Oh, she's and, so much fun. Like, she's, she's a cool... Oh, I also love uh, when she actually gets to see Sniper Mask's uh, face, and she's like, wow, she's you're surprisingly hot. hot. He, she even fucking tells him to his face. And she's like scared of <laughs> she's been scared of him for a while because she's like, Oh, I, I threw a grenade at you. No, I'm she was sorry. attacked by him early on. That's why and, she's and, scared and of she, him. yeah, and then she's like, Oh no, you're scary. But then she sees his face like, Wow, you're hot. It's like you're fucking hot. She, she kinda has no filter in that sense. No Wait, don't don't put your mask back on. You're really hot. Yeah, like what? Like she's like, Oh, why? It's funny. It's very funny. Anyways, like, look, uh, Sniper Mask, uh, Sniper's got his, uh, his chamber cocked for another, but... Maybe not intentionally. (laughs) He cares, but not to that extent. Oh, no, he's also cocked for, uh, Rika, too. Let's face it. See, if it's Rika, then that's another story. Oh, so I meant Kuon. <laughs> let's face it, Sniper Mask is, is a cool guy, but he strikes me as somebody who would play both ballparks. So does Yuri. Fuck. Oh, Yuri Honcho, Yuri. Sniper Mask, bisexual representation. I, I am game for that. Disaster by. She borderlines disaster by, let's be real. Anyways, yeah, no, uh, but I like Yuri. I think Susie does a really ex- ex- stellar job at making her sound like this big old dork. And having a ton of fun being this fucking cool, violent action hero, too. Yeah, because... She's a ton of fun, and I think she she nailed it. Yeah, because Yuri flip-flops so easily with her morals and how she feels about shit. Like, it's a bit of whiplash, but Susie navigates it very, very well. (laughs) Because, like, you could lose... Like, you could, like, get very annoyed at a character like that who keeps flip-flopping, like, every ten seconds... But I think Susie's delivery and her performance of Yuri as a character helps save that a bit and makes Yuri not only tolerable, but a lot more fun to listen to, <laughs> honestly. Um, Amon, what do you think? She's just a lot of fun. Yeah. Like, Yuri's you're, you're, weird. I'm not, I'm not... I'm not used to seeing anime this trashy that has female leads who get to be this active and ass-kicking all the time. Yeah. Like, usually I feel like they either tend to be really, really sexy, or they're not actually the lead. 
And it's right. kind of fun to see her get to run around and be kind of a dumb shonen protagonist and fight people. I know. And Susan just sounds like she's having a lot of fun playing this character. Like, we've said before, they understood the assignment, and I think she gets that it's like, yeah, she's a nice girl who doesn't want to hurt anybody. But that she is, will! Uh, but, that... you know, that's because she doesn't want to hurt anybody doesn't mean she's not going to if she that, has to. That is essentially the theme of today's episode. They understood the assignment. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't want to hurt you, but I mean, I my, fist, my fist is clenched, and your face is so very punchable. What, am I going to not punch you? Yeah, I, pretty much. I don't, I don't want to hurt you, but, like, I'm not going to let you shoot me either. Let's be frank here. Right. Let's be friends, she says, as she curb stomps them on the fucking roof. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. Oh. No, Susie is a delight. I love that she's been doing so much more lately, too. Don't give in to despair, she says, as she violently shakes them to the point of giving them a fucking concussion. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... Susie's a delight. She, I think there's a lot of... A lot of lot of personality with Yuri, and especially as a heroine who has to carry the show in a weird fucking circumstance like this. I think Susie like, navigates all of those like, wonderfully, and I love, I love her performance as Yuri. It's so much fun. She's, Yuri can be both a badass, Yuri can be a badass, a damsel in distress, and just a complete fucking moron. Like, (laughs) it's great. (laughs) I love it. Um, anything else for, uh, Suzy and Yuri Honjo? No? I'm good. I'm ready to take this to Fire yeah, Pulse. She's, she, she's a lot of fun. I'm glad I'm glad she gets to be the lead in this. This is a fun role. Yeah. It's so fun. It's so much fun. Um, alright. So, let's move on then to final thoughts on the dub for High Rise Invasion. Who wants to go first? I can't believe I like this show. <laughs> That's that's the summary of for him. Yep, pretty much. He didn't. He, yeah. That that's where I'm at. Is like, I, it's not only just that like it's watchable. I actually enjoyed it. I cannot believe that. Yep. I was so convinced, and I feel like even the Netflix marketing was so convinced this was gonna be the edgy, trashy shit that all the edge lords like fucking chomp at, and like chew at. It. It's felt it, but no, the more I'm talking about it, the more I see where you could have made a much worse show. Right. And it's not, it's, it's silly. It's, it's having fun with its premise. It's shockingly not as fatalistic, edgy, or crude to provoke like aggressive hyper violence or like sexual assault at its beck and call because it doesn't have better things to write. It has better things to write. It has dumb, fun, stupid, shonen-powered action scenes to do. And it's having fun. Yep. And the dub. I think the first few episodes are definitely its biggest weakness as far as the adaptation not quite adjusting to what the show ha- is supposed to be at that point. So I felt growing pains is what you're saying. It had major growing pains okay. for me in the first two or so episodes. Gotcha. But I feel like by the end of it, the script loosens enough to the where it feels like it's having fun. Mm-hmm. And the cast is having a fucking ball at how wacky and silly this is. And a couple of them like were really standouts. And I've just overall, 
I've been very impressed with SDI's media spliced breads output over the past year or so, especially improving like, like B Star season two. I felt like season one was very strong with like a couple of like quirks, but I feel like it really evolved into a much stronger, better sounding dub with season two. I I've been really impressed with the studio's output this year, mm -hmm. and I really hope they continue this level of like impressive quality for future dubs. Okay. I think they did a good job. Alright, Amon, what are your final thoughts? What a blast. <laughs> what yes. a, this is this is very much up my, my wheelhouse of just dumb, like violent grindhouse nonsense that technically doesn't There's a filmmaker I like who I think someone asked him like why one of his movies was set on like a tropical island and he's like well, if people are going to give you a lot of money to shoot a zombie movie, why not set it on a tropical island? And there's a certain, like, I don't know, this feels very simpatico with that attitude of, like, why not have fun? Yeah, pretty much. Why not have fun? Yeah. Why be, look at, look at, like, look at, like, King's Game. That's grim and boring and no one enjoys it. Why not be fun? I know, right? And that's, that's what I appreciate about this show is that it, it, it doesn't, it's not afraid to just be kind of silly on its face. And be like, no, no, the anonymous masks are way more interesting if we make one like, hey, this guy's a pitcher. And he pitches cannonballs at people that will, like, cleave your head off. Oh, yeah. It's so, absurdist. It's great. And we, can, and we can have this as a setup so that this guy can play baseball with him with a sledgehammer. Sure. Why the fuck not? And I, I appreciate that the dub very much, like, like gets this as well. And is like, oh, yeah, we can just really amp this up and be really silly. And that's fine because that's what the show is. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. There's too there's too much bad schlock that doesn't understand that like no this is kind of dumb, and you need to embrace the dumb or you're just gonna be really tiresome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is this is like if if you're not, are you enjoying Squid Game? I haven't actually seen Squid Game, but apparently I haven't that's seen very popular. Either. Like I feel like are you enjoying that? You'll probably get a kick out of this. Like yep. it's it feels it's the silly version of that concept. Are you someone who wishes Danganronpa took itself a little less seriously? What? Oh! What? Right, you know, That's you know, a you know, you know, you know, No, I'm gonna walk that one back. Don't Please do! <laughs> Motherfucker! <laughs> wow, I'm offended. In, in, my, in, my, in my defense, I've only ever actually played the first game, which, completely absurd, true, but I'm sure there are pits I've yet to encounter that are even sillier. Oh, buddy, you don't even know. Oh. Yeah, one day, one day. I, I have all of them, I just haven't gotten around to playing them. Anyways. My point is, fun, this is a fun dub for a fun, weird, goofy show that's maybe, like, not for everybody, but, like, if you feel like you're gonna enjoy this, give it a shot. It's it's a lot... It seems like a lot more fun than you probably will think it'd be. No, yeah. Oh, uh, again, when we were talking about, like, cleaning up our master chart, because it's fucking clogged up all the hell, and I was like, hey, would anyone want to do high-rise invasion? Stupid question. Instantly, the fact that you respond, I'm like, oh, he's gonna be in for a fun time. <laughs> like, you and I are on the same wavelength when it comes to, like, some of the, like, grindhouse weird-ass bullshit like this. It's awesome. Anyway, so, the theme of today's episode is they understood the assignment. And uh, this is bold choice of words coming from me. This is probably my favorite show in the battle royale fucking death game genre. I'm not kidding. Because of the fact that it doesn't take itself so seriously. 
because I've watched Future Diary, Darwin's Game, and King's Game, and those are fucking either god-awful or, like, boring at best, i.e. Darwin's Game. Um, but this one... It doesn't take itself too seriously, and I think that's the saving grace of the show itself, is that it knows exactly what it is, and it's just gonna, like, camp it up to the nth degree, and that makes it so much more enjoyable. Um, the dub itself, again, they understood the assignment. They had such a fun time creating <laughs> this weird-ass show for an English-speaking audience. The casting is so much fun with some hilarious and outstanding like one-off performances from some folks like Kellen Goff and Bryce and fucking um, Kyle McCarley and even Alex Lee and some of the other mask wearers like it's and fucking the dunce named Billy Komet's a swimmer as well we can't forget him um, there are just some really fun outlandish performances but it's still contained enough to make it not... It doesn't overdo it to, like, to make it just so awful. It's, it's a good kind of bad, if that makes sense. This is a good kind of bad. And the dub is just so hilarious. It's so much fun to watch. Um, and just, like, if you are into grindhouse B B-movie shit... Like I can be, like Amon usually is. Please go and watch the show. Like, it is an easy marathon because of how silly it can get. Um, and just the dub is so much fun. It's it good popcorn fun. It's good popcorn fun. Like this is not going to be like. It's not going to set the world on fire. But it's, it's, it's not going to be like intriguing or you're gonna have epiphany moment like oh my god it's not gonna be too deep if that makes sense so this is good popcorn fun it knows that and it, the dub was made to reflect that and i think they did a really good job over at sdi my ex my expectations were shockingly low and this has yeah. far exceeded what oh, i could yeah. have expected <laughs> he went in mm -hmm. such low expectations it's not even funny but no please go and watch this show uh and if you do decide to watch this show, the only place you can find it currently is on Netflix. It is a Netflix exclusive show. Um, at the time of this recording, no home video release has been announced. It is possible it could happen in the future, only because there have been Netflix properties that do end up getting home video releases. It's also possible it could get redubbed for it home video. It is also possible it could get redubbed, considering there are two shows in particular that are very weird circumstances. But I digress. Um, but if you don't have Netflix, the manga, as we stated at the top of the episode, is actually available. The manga for High Rise Invasion is available from Seven Seas Entertainment. And as Amon pointed out, as funnily enough, there are 21 volumes total. The last volume was actually released at the time of recording this three days ago. <laughs> but yeah, oddly enough. Uh, the sequel manga High Rise Invasion Arrive has not been licensed at the time of this. However, considering the original manga did just finish in the States, it is possible, probably depending on sales numbers of the original manga, that Seven Seas could pick up the sequel manga uh, and license it and bring it to the States as well. So, it's possible. But, uh, yeah, that's currently the only way you can get to see or read High Rise Invasion is either with Netflix for the show or the manga through Seven Seas. Um, 
As for us here at Dub Talk, if you're if you like what we do here and you're interested in hearing more from us, uh, you can follow us on either YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Podbean. We put new episodes up every Fridays at the time of this recording. Now we switched our release date. Um, and yeah, please go follow us on those platforms and, and like like what we do. Like tell us if we're stupid. I guess I don't know. We are. We are stupid sometimes. Um, you can also follow us on various social media platforms. You can follow us on Twitter, uh, Twitter and Twitch at Dub Talk Podcast. Uh, we also, at the time of recording this episode, we had recently started a second YouTube channel where our gaming stream archives from Twitch are being navigated over uh twitch uh dub talk gaming the link for that channel will be in the description of the youtube video um as well as uh, hopefully the description of the spotify podbean and apple podcast versions um those have been a lot of fun we've been having fun streaming on twitch lately because at the time of recording this amon's been playing psychonauts Mm -hmm. and andrew and i have been playing gris um, obviously those games will likely change by the time this episode goes live, so just come on over to Twitch. We have a fun time there. Um, as for you gentlemen, so my name is Stephanie, sometimes known, I'm also sometimes known on the internet as Lilac. You can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review, with review being spelled R-E-V-U-E. I also have a blog, lifeandtimesotaku.wordpress.com, that is severely out of date at this stage. Um, but you can check it out if you want. Uh, Amon... Well, actually, I have to save him last, because of course I do. Andrew! Uh, Andrew, uh, aka Classy Spartan, you can follow him on Twitter at Mangaman9000. Uh, he also is a forum moderator for the- Discord server moderator. Forums are kind of dying, which sucks. Shut the fuck up, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> he is a moderator for the Funimation Discord, so you can hang with him there. And he's also a co-host on Surreal Resolutions Podcast ONA, along with fellow Dub Talk cohort Jet. And as for Amon, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at... I almost said YouTube. My brain blanked for a second. You can follow him on Twitter at US, Duel having two U's. Uh, he's also been doing fun stuff as well again the twitch and all that kind of stuff but of course we can't leave this episode and because it's Amon and because we Andrew was basically in almost insulting him with music takes and shit good now now now, calling me a hipster is accurate (laughs) I may not like that fact but that doesn't make it less true (laughs) good sir will you please give us a dusty old song for high-rise invasion Certainly. Uh, because it's called High Rise Invasion, it keeps putting me in mind of the uh, uh, J.G. Ballard novel High Rise, uh, which doesn't have a lot to do with this other than also about being dystopic things happening in a high rise building. Yeah. Uh, but it does remind me of two things. One, there's a movie adaptation of High Rise that came out a few years ago with Tom Hiddleston in it. It's very good. You should go check it out. Okay. And uh, very memorable to me, it ends with a song uh, by British post-punk band The Fall called Industrial Estate, which I enjoy because I like recommending The Fall to people because they have the worst singer ever. Oh! No! No, no, Wow! Their their singer is also the only consistent band member. That that took a turn I didn't expect. Let us us note, I say worst singer with an extreme amount of affection. I would die for Marky Smith. He's dead currently, so I can't do that anymore. But I would die for Marky e. Smith. This is a turn I didn't expect. It's a, it is a great song if you're me. Let's put it that way. 
But what it also puts me in mind is, uh, due to a, I have an association of that book, uh, due to a blog I used to read with another song, which is someone notes that uh, a year prior to that book coming out, there was a song that came out that seemed to match its kind of weird dystopic mood that was very much the state of Britain in the early 70s. So I'm going to recommend that song, which is Diamond Dogs by David Bowie. That song is great. Nice. Uh, fun fact, at the beginning of it, you, uh, you, there's some sort of cheering and crowd noises, which apparently was um, stolen illegally from a live album by The Faces, and as a consequence, if you listen closely, you can hear Rod Stewart going woo at one point. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's faces. amazing! Uh, it's, right, it's right at the beginning. If you fire up on like Spotify or YouTube, it'll be very early on. And you get a great song out of it, because that song is awesome. That's awesome. So go go listen to that. Get cultured. Awesome. So before I forget again, because I'm staring at it in my front of my face. Uh, if you really, really love what we do at Dub Talk and you want to support us in a different capacity, because I'm dumb and I almost forgot to say this before. Um, so It's right in front of you. I, How did you miss that? Shut up. <laughs> um... If you want to, we do have both a Kofi account as well as a Patreon account. Kofi for one-time donations if you want to buy us a coffee. Uh, and Patreon, to which we have to thank our wonderful patrons who help make things like um, us paying for an RSS feed fucking possible. This episode paid for by viewers like you. Thank you. Uh, so we have our $5 patrons, Megan's mom and dad. Hi, Megan's mom and dad. Hi. Hi. Uh, Michelle Travis, Miraculous Corazon, Nico Robin, but with yaoi hands, a.k.a. It's just fucking Jackson. We love you, bro. We love you, man. Uh, Sue Tweets and Victor May Borda. And then our $10 tier, we have Carly Lestikow, Crimson Akinda, uh, Jacob Wilson, Jake, Jared Hawkins, Julia W., Marissa Lenti, Millicent Sorby, and Otaku Anthony. Again, thank you, and I apologize for almost completely missing that. Um, but that should be everything for today. Um, guys, I... Are you... Are you nobody's scared of heights still here, right? Oh, God! I mean, I'm not... I'm, not a, I'm okay with heights if there's something to stop me from falling. But um, if it's just kind of, you know, whatever, like... I mean, I mean, the pavement could stop you from falling, but it might not look pretty for you. I'm not, that's not the kind of stopping I was looking for, I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, yeah, you were hoping for, like, gym mats or, like, a frickin' inflatable cushion well, I was, or something. I was thinking more of a wall, so I don't fall in the first place. <laughs> once, once I'm plummeting, I've kind of given up hope at that point. I, I, like, I like the sound of a wall. Uh, Guys, are we supposed to walk on the ground? Because I think I just stepped over the side, and I think I keep falling. Wow, okay. Oh, wow, okay. Well, this got dark. Oh, crap. I'm going to have a fun time affording this apartment now. Oh, boy. <sighs> what do I tell my cat? <laughs> well, uh... I'M NOT DEAD YET! <laughs> I'm sorry, you're trying to commit to a random bit that I'm trying to make. And I don't know how I feel about this now. <laughs> Otaku <laughs> Rock over Boston, rock over Chicago! Thanks for listening, guys! Otaku on, and have a good night. Bye! <laughs>